Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. If you're watching this show, that means you're awake. And since it's 4.20, feel free to get baked. Hi, everyone. It's time for Wednesday's edition of Morning Combat. I am one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C., and I am joined by the Viceroy of Connecticut, the original CT dirtbag himself, my friend and yours, it's Brian Campbell. What's up, BC? How you doing, yeah, bro? Yeah, that, that CT with the CTE, that's your boy BC <laughs> right there. Uh, as Luke said, smoke them if you got them, Luke. This is a shout-out to all of our chemically enhanced listeners who smoke two joints in the morning, Luke, and they smoke two joints at night. I mean, they'll smoke two joints in the afternoon, too. You know what I'm saying? It makes them feel all right, Luke, you know? Is this the guy from Sprockets on your mug? It's true. That is true. Now is the time that we dance, Luke, okay? Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm happy to be back. It's a hump day, Luke. All right, I've got one of those. Do you get one of those um, weather hangovers every couple of days when the temperature changes and then you wake up with, like, a javelin sticking out of your forehead? Or am I just really old and decrepit? Only if there's allergies associated with the temperature change, but not temperature change by itself, I don't think. I mean, how old do I feel when I'm checking the barometer every morning, Luke, to see if I'm going to need <laughs> you know, some help there today? All right, there we go. Is the, yeah. is the wind strong? I need to put on my sneakers today. God, we're old and pathetic. Uh, all right, we actually have a busy show, though, today, BC, so we've got a ton, a ton of MMA this weekend. We've got, let's see, PFL, ten, uh, I think it's tonight, PFL tonight. Then we have uh, UFC this weekend. We have not one, but two Bellator shows. And if you're a real hardcore, there's a bunch of uh, kickboxing on one as well. And then who could forget Tyson Fury, Dillian White on Saturday in the afternoon. This is a huge, huge, huge weekend. So thumbs up on the video. Please hit subscribe. A lot to get to today. We, of course, will lead with all the MMA stuff. I want to remind everyone, we have a Morning Combat store. It's, in fact, very easy to find, morningcombat.storebc. And we're in the middle of coming up with some new merch ideas, but we've got some existing good merch. You see BC Sporting right there. Yeah. Isn't that right? I mean, RJ Dunkelmaker told me, hey, BC, we, we know you like wearing the low-T, one-love, Bob Marley, midlife crisis hat, but the more merch you can wear on the show, the more we sell, Luke. So, you know. Here we are, right? You know what here, I mean? we, yeah. here we are indeed. I'm going to start calling him RJ Knuckle Mania. Sounds like Dunkle Maker, Dunkle Fucker, Knuckle Mania. Very, very good at his job, but his search history must be a <laughs> must be a shame, Luke, okay? You know what I mean? It just must be. Again, I mean, just, let he who yeah. is without sin cast the first stone. These yeah. are not terms yeah. I would want to go public either. Uh, 
Yeah. All right, so we've got that. Showtime.com is the label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial, which, by the way, that means both Bellator events this weekend. And, of course, we're going to have Charlo Castaño coming up in May. I mean, there's just tons of stuff on Showtime. So keep that in mind if you haven't taken the plunge yet. Morningcombat at gmail.com will be the email for today's fan subs for Friday's Dead Wrong. And if you just need to reach the show, morningcombat at gmail.com. Plus, BC, we're trying out a new segment today, your level of enthusiasm for this new little twist. I think this is the first new segment we've ever had that I didn't conceive and and birth and and, and consummate and you know and take it the distance right for, for all the way. I think I see the head coming, Luke. This is the producers doing their own shit. So we'll you know we'll be here to judge them just as the audience will. We'll find out. All right, very good. And uh, what am I forgetting? Anything else, BC? As I comb my beard like a jackass. Um, I don't know. You know, you want to shout out any of our celebrity fans? You know, Sean Brady, I see you. Okay. Uh, how about Adrian Yanez? Just a big, big time MK Mark. Okay. What did big he say? I missed. No, just in the past. You know, I, I see you. Oh, I, yeah. I remember you. I know you. Okay. All right. Yeah, so, yeah. Adrian uh, Yanez is great. And uh, yeah, Sean Brady wants me to get a neck tattoo. BC, there's a new tattoo place opening up not far from my neighborhood. And I'm already in contact with the head guy to get a tattoo on my birthday. What would you like me to get? Well, first, I'd like you to reveal what your uh, what your naval stamp is to the people, Luke. You don't it's not have to really show a naval it. stamp. It goes hip to hip. It's not really a naval stamp. All right, all right. Um, I think you should um, put your money where your mouth is and get something right about here, Luke. Not necessarily the Cody Rhodes, um, you know, spot for that weird tattoo he has, but you know, if you're gonna talk the talk, Luke. Why not walk the walk? In fact, why don't we fly in Sean Brady? We'll make it a new segment, okay? We'll call it MK Inc. And, you know, he could, he could, you know, we could sit there and heckle you as you get needled. That'd be great. You know, look. MK Inc. would actually be M. Kink. Maybe that, M. Maybe that does work. <laughs> get kinky. Yes, yes. With MK. Indeed. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I'm going right. to get something up. Like, I'm just going to work my way up my arm. So it's going to be around the this area here. Uh, but uh, I'm excited about it. I'm very excited about it. So. Uh, should be lots of fun. And I got my glasses repaired at the optometrist yesterday. How about that? Look at they 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 work. Look at that. That's, Isn't that nice? That's great. That's just great, Luke. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> All right. Well, with that out of the way, let's get this show started if we can. We go to topic number one. We will start with, uh, believe it or not, I don't know how they have it on here, but I'm going to start with UFC very quickly. Now, this is not the best card of the weekend, not even close, but it is the UFC. We do owe a little bit of... Promotion. So let's talk about it. UFC Fight Night, Lemos, or I'm told, by the way, it could be pronounced Lemos, depending on where you're from in Brazil, okay. versus Andrade. Main card will start at 9 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Prelim card at 6 p.m. East on ESPN+. Plus. In the main event, Amanda Lemos taking on Jessica Andrade. Now, this is labeled as a strawweight fight, BC. But let me ask you this. What would you say is actually at stake for Jessica Andrade in this bout? I don't think it's so much about... Being at stake for Jessica Andrade. She's the old warhorse of the division. She's a former champion at 115 pounds. She's fought in all three of the original uh, UFC women's weight divisions. Never fought at featherweight, of course. And she's coming off just a you know one-sided dominant loss there a couple fights ago to the to the current flyweight champion in Shevchenko. I think it's more about is Amanda Lemos ready for prime time, Luke? Five straight wins in a very crowded division. But they've been against, you know, mid to upper mid competition. Now she's going up, you know, more or less against the 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 higher end, the elite, trying to crash this overall title picture that we have right there, Luke. This is more about is Amanda Lemoche ready for prime time? So, you know, because 115, Luke, they don't they don't have around. 
This is a tough-ass test in Andrade, who's, you have to believe, looking to remind everybody who she still is. But, Luke, this is, you know, Brazil on Brazil crime, but it's more about the A side of this matchup, and that's Amanda Lemos. Uh, well, I would say Andrade is more the A side. Well, I mean, she's first, she's the A side. But in terms of, like, the popularity, Andrade is certain. The, the one who's done more is certainly Andrade. But to your point, I think you're absolutely right. This is a, this is, I'm not going to say a trap fight for Andrade, but the, the point you raise is well taken. Lemos is sitting at number, I think, 10 or 11 in the rankings. This would be a huge, huge win for her, where Andrade is still sitting number one at flyweight. Now, Lemos has done some interesting work. Since losing to Leslie Smith all the way back in 2017, she beat Miranda Granger, Mizuki Inoue, uh, Lavinia Souza, who was or Souza, who was like a dynamite force in, in Invicta, although it didn't quite turn out that way in UFC. Montserrat Ruiz, who uh, has all the tattoos, who I'm sure you love. And then she split decision to Angela Hill, which is a very good win. So she's 10, or I think 11, 1, and 1 heading into this contest. That's a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 fight win streak. She has earned, obviously, an opportunity against a highly ranked opponent. It's just that Andrade offers such a different level of ability. Certainly no one she's fought has that kind of strength. Certainly no one she's fought has that strength of schedule. This really comes down to whether or not, like you, we're going to sort of find out, is she a, a player in this division? But for Andrade, if in fact the labeling is correct and this is going to be at strawweight, this is also a bit of a departure, right? Because she fought at Bantamweight. She previously fought at strawweight too, but then she was back at flyweight. Now she might be going back down to strawweight. Yeah. Do you like that, BC? Because, yes, she's highly ranked at 125, but, dude, you know, beating Shevchenko, I, 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 good luck, I guess. I don't really know what, yeah. what, who can do that. Look, she, she, she dropped a parachute in the middle of the 125 division, which is devoid of elite fighters for the most part and certainly devoid of big-time names that we can get excited to see Valentina against. But, look, she came up not only empty, she got absolutely dominated. I mean, it was striking how, how much she got dominated, put into a damn crucifix and just controlled on the ground. So her going back down to 115 tells me that, you know, if she's got one more big run left at her, she sees, even though 115 is a more difficult division along the way, she sees a more clear path to the top. Maybe because she's been the champion there before, maybe become, because there's some matchups she hasn't faced yet. But she's only 30 years old, which is wild, because it feels hmm. like Jessica Andrade has been around forever. And in fact, Amanda Lemos, you say depending on where you're from, look, I'm from the USA, we, we pronounce it Sade, not Chardet. But I'll give you the Lemos here if that's what you're looking for. She's 34, even though we've seen seemingly a lot less of her at the elite level. But even with that five-fight five win streak, excuse me, the best name on that streak is without a doubt Angela Hill, and that was a split decision. So this is, you know, for Amanda, a big opportunity to make a big leap. And, and I don't want to go too hard uh, on what this is about and not and – not, represent what you just said yes this is also potentially about Andrade in a main event in a featured spot reasserting herself within the rankings at 115 uh I, I don't see this as a desperate move but I see this maybe as as a load up for one last big run for the power puncher Luke which of the three weight classes do you think she's the best at well what was funny about it was even at bantamweight she was still stronger than her competitors by a considerable margin I was like god damn if you're that strong at bantamweight you know, it only, I mean, it's just crazy to see how strong she is, the two weight classes down. But it's hard to argue that, that that's her best weight class. So then you go to 125. I mean, here's her resume, I think, at 125. So she beat Rose, and then she lost to Wei Li, and then she lost to Rose again. I'm oh, sorry, she lost to Rose and lost to uh, uh, Zhang Wai Li. 
Then she beat Caitlin Shukagian, and then she lost to Shevchenko, and then she beat Cynthia. It's not like she's not competitive at 125. So to me, it's like, what's her best weight class? Well, she's pretty goddamn good at 125. The problem is not where she's best. The problem is where she has the best chance of winning. I think that's the difference. Because, dude, Shevchenko just bossed her around. And, it, and that's not to say that Andrade is some kind of bad fighter. I don't need to tell the audience how good Shevchenko is. I think it's one of those situations where, like, to your point, you're 30. Okay, you still got some time left. You're not at the portion of your career where it should be too, too hard to cut the weight. You're not 34, that kind of thing. And obviously, 115 is a very difficult division, but we've already seen her on some level conquer it. I think that's probably playing into the calculus here. You could stay at 125 and beat everyone not named Shevchenko, but what does that get you? Whereas the current weight class champion, you've already got a win over her. And remember, even though she lost, I think, in the rematch to her, it got real dicey in the three-round contest oh, by right. the end. Shevchenko was really, sorry, um, Andrade was really turning things around. So I like 115 for her, assuming that the weight cut can be made in a manageable and, and uh, not too impactful a way. I agree. And what you just said, I think, was the key part. Yes, she... Lost the title, you know, in a bad way. Uh, a, a swift knockout loss to Wei Lee, in which, look, you know, in hindsight, she kind of came out there crazy, aggressive, over the top, and got served for it. But that loss to Rose in their rematch, Luke, I mean, it's almost a moral win because she rallied back, she bloodied up Rose, who's, you know, again the champion, and was right there. So I don't think we saw the end of Andrade's 115 elite run in terms of being solved multiple times, and you're like, okay, that's it. She still has something to prove down there, and and I think is is still a big time player if she can package a few wins. We know that division's always crowded, but I mean, how about she wins this, and and we're talking about Mackenzie Dern, Luke. Hmm, that's interesting. Who would you favor in that? Because Andrade is hard hitter on the feet, and Dern takes a fair amount of punishment. I think the thing about Andrade in most of her biggest fights is you're going to end up not favoring her because she's a tad bit limited compared to the more well-rounded fighters of this era, but her danger and her power and her ability, Luke, to not stop trying to win, which was evident in the loss to Rose in the rematch in which she almost won. And oh, by the way, don't forget when Andrade lost her initial strawweight title shot to Joanna young Jacek. Yeah, she, she was at that point where she's down three rounds to nothing, and we're like, okay, we're on our way to a decision loss here. And she had some big moments in the championship rounds there of just not giving up despite getting tattooed. And I thought she rocked the champ a couple times. So, you know, would you, would you, would you end up giving the younger Dern the odds if we get there? Maybe. But Andrade's puncher's chance is still going to be a major problem for the elites here. That's why I'm just as interested in finding out how good Amanda Lemos is as finding out if Andrade can jump back down to 115, make the cut with ease, and quickly reestablish herself as a dangerous threat. But Luke, don't try to act like this ain't two weeks in a row of a somewhat weak UFC fight night offering. Oh no, it's weak. I mean, it's it's very. We're not going to spend a whole lot more time on this. In fact, we can move on to the other parts of the card that have some some value i would say that uh, when looking at the card bc the thing that stands out to me the co-main clay guida versus claudio Puyas, i mean i just don't really care all that much it's not a, it's not a bad fight by any stretch but it doesn't mean a whole lot i will tell you that the three fights that open the main card though are pretty interesting manel cop taking on sue Maderji, it's okay uh macy barber taking on montana yes. de la rosa is a big one and then lando Venata versus charles jordan luke that women's flyweight bout is a bc special right there okay why because uh, there, there's good storylines. There's good. Uh, it's a very even bout in Macy Barber and Montana De La Rosa, in my opinion, on paper. 
But, you know, Macy Barber is trying to turn things around. And, and even with, you know, a close win here and there on the comeback, I just haven't really felt like she's recaptured the magic that she had on her initial rise leading into that loss to Wada Furry, where she's trying to tell everybody, I'm the next big thing. And, oh, by the way, I got enough time to break John Jones's record as the youngest champion. We didn't get there. The wheels fell off, Luke. But even on the comeback, I've got questions. And it's not that Montana De La Rosa is a world beater, per se. I mean, she is 2-2-1 two, two, and one in her last five. But she's somebody who's getting better at a fairly quick rate, Luke. And, you know, I, I tend to focus a lot on the women's, you know, flyweight and, in this case, strawweight di divisions. Why? Because I'm an absolute dirt hole? No, because, you know, it's pretty competitive across the board on a level that some of the other men's divisions don't don't even have the same. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in this fight. I'm interested to see who's coming out of here, who whose direction is pointing upward, Luke. I, I could tell just by the tone and the look on your face that you're not following me down this road. And that's fine, Luke. Okay. No, because no, I think I think here I go no, again no. on my own. All right. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I don't, you know, you, you don't have to call the horny police on me where you might have to call the, 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 them on you, but nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, Oh, I agree with your assessment on the fight. I just, I'm a little bit more interested in Lando Venata versus Charles Jordan. Lando Venata has kind of been all over the place in the UFC, had some great wins, had some bad losses, had a bunch of draws at the same time. He is coming off a win over Mike Grundy, that which was his featherweight debut. This is a featherweight fight. And a small little note here, Lando Venata and, and me, we're not sponsored by Carbon, which is a company that was founded by Lane Norton, who is a, is a PhD in nutrition science and uh, is a proprietor of a lot of different uh, things in the fitness and in industry. And he has this app, the Carbon app. And again, I'm not sponsored by it, and neither is Lando Venata. But I know Lando had, uh, and I've seen the evidence of it, had told Lane that if it wasn't for that app, he, his career would probably have been ruined. He needed a way to control and get his diet down to where he could get to the weight class that was best for him. And he was killing himself doing it. And the uh, Carbon app is the one that helped him. Lo and behold, I'm 45 pounds down by virtue of the Carbon app as well. Um, so a little bit of a, a commonality there. It's been really, really helpful for me, and it's been really, really helpful for him. And this is his second fight at featherweight, and I'm really hoping, win or lose, you can get uh, – all you ever want for a fighter is that they can get the most out of themselves. That's really all you ever want. And I feel like he's been kind of searching for it and making changes and blah, blah, blah. Um, he's in a good spot, but Charles Jordan is a very, very tough customer coming off of a win himself. So, something to keep in mind. Also, Manel Kopp taking on Sumaderji. Manel Kopp, BC, you know this, kind of started UFC. I well, was like two losses in a row. It didn't look that great, but since then has looked a lot better. One of the guys that was pulled out of Japan in terms of where he was fighting previously into the UFC, he could really continue his turnaround and his fortunes and make himself a serious contender with a win on Saturday as well. Yeah, something to watch for. He's won two in a row. We'll see where he's where he's headed, Luke. And can you believe Macy Barber's still just twenty three? Isn't that wild? That's insane. I, I mean, that's completely insane. But you know, good for her because she's obviously. I mean, she got a lot fighter. to prove, Luke. That split decision went over Miranda Maverick. I didn't. I didn't see it. I didn't see what yeah. the judges saw. She's got a lot to prove here. I thought I thought Maverick took it too, but it was very very close. So in the end, that's what happens. I mean, right, I'm sure so we... I'll watch the Lando fight. I just don't follow him on Instagram like I do other fighters, Luke. Because he doesn't post enough ass shots. Um, all right, let's talk. Let's talk about the Bellator fights this weekend. Now, of course, we'll lean into them a little bit more for predictions and whatnot come Saturday. But we have not one, but two, or come Friday, excuse me. But we have not one, but two of them. Bellator two seventy eight, which of course will be Friday. That's got a start time of ten p.m. in the East. Um, it's going to be Velasquez versus Carmouche. Now, BC, the better card will be Bellator 279, Cyborg versus Blenko 2. We'll talk about that in a second. 
The Bellator 278 card, it's also pretty thin, but that main event is quite excellent. Juliana Velasquez, I believe, still undefeated. Certainly the champion is given Carmouche a nod. And BC, this has been so odd to watch Carmouche. She got out of the UFC in that fight in, what was it, uh, Uruguay against Shevchenko, where both of them didn't come out looking that great. And Shevchenko, or excuse me, Carmouche just didn't even hardly do anything. Then she goes to Bellator, and there were some lingering concerns about that, but of late she has looked much more forceful about her offense. And like Andrade, we already know she's a powerhouse. Tell me what kind of chance you give Carmouche to beat Velazquez. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Before her last fight, which was against Kata Watanabe, it turned out to be a number one contender's fight. Look, I not only didn't really give her a chance in the title picture, I'm not sure I wanted to see her at this level anymore. Look, I don't know, like, that performance in her rematch in the UFC, her final fight, the title fight against Valentina Shevchenko, it was lifeless, Luke. It was, oh, my plan, you know, A is not going to work, so I guess my plan B is let's go the distance. But you got to give her credit. She comes to Bellator, you know, with certainly some name value. A pioneer was in the inaugural UFC women's title, you know, title fight with Ronda Rousey, of course, and face cranked i mean look face cranked her right i mean it was it got a little hairy there but luke when she comes in even going a two and oh in her first bellator fights the way she finished watanabe in the third one you're seeing the highlights there i mean look was that a style matchup in which she saw an opening against somebody who's a good striker but doesn't have world-class defense maybe but we saw a fight in gorilla at 38 that just wasn't there in recent you know memory if she comes out guns blazing, Luke, she's a different fighter. She can, you know, she can wrestle. She's tough as nails. But if she comes out with the offensive willingness to make this a fun fight, it could get interesting. I am oddly, I don't want to say oddly, but like I've come back around to, to realizing that this is an interesting fight because Juliana Velasquez is, is not that young. She's 35, but she's 12 and 0. She's the Bellator champion. She's on this fun little rise. I like her backstory with a tattoo of her brother on her bicep. She looks to be tough, but she doesn't look to be uh, unbeatable by any means. I think when it's all said and done, this is going to be a competitive and interesting fight, Luke. Uh, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, the, the question for me would be, what is Carmusha's strategy? Because she's going to be at a reach disadvantage, and Velasquez is, I'm going to say, I, I don't know if Velasquez can match her strength. We'll have to see. But Velasquez is strong, too. I mean, maybe not Carmouche strong, but she's very physical for the weight class. We've seen that her clinch, in particular, is dominating. So, for Carmouche, I, I wonder what strategy she's going to employ. Now, you saw the, the highlights of the Watanabe fight. What does that tell you? Well, if Watanabe is all the way backed up against the fence, and so she can shorten and control the distance in front of her, and then limit her opponent's movement, yeah, that's going to be a great moment for her. Maybe she can do that to Velasquez, but I think Velasquez is going to be a little bit trickier than that. I wonder if Carmouche is going to be looking for the takedown and trying to get on top. She's strong. She can pick people up. She can go unorthodox with it when she needs to. And then it, will she? Ha the thing is, will she have enough act activity and success if she does go that way to either thwart Velasquez on the ground, prevent a stand-up from Velasquez standing up, or given the how she's been fighting of late, not the most recent one, but of late generally, whether a referee might intervene and be like, you're just not doing enough, get up. Because I think as long as this fight takes place at distance, it's 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 Velazquez's to lose. Would you agree? Yeah, her style is built upon you coming after her and her countering you, getting out of the way, sidestepping. Uh, you know, she's a very accurate striker in that regard. So she's been able to beat a certain level of competition up the ladder and then, look, give her all the credit in the world for taking the title from Ali Malay McFarlane in the fashion in which she did. She was technical and, and in the end, you know... 
strong. I mean, that was a, a top performance. But, you know, I, I think what you're saying is true. If Karmouche can be able to establish the threat of a takedown, and if she's, again, willing to risk. And, look, this is... Look, I mean, she's got a name as a pioneer. No one's ever going to doubt Liz Karmouche's toughness, despite that, you know, the, the big egg she laid against Shevchenko. Just like no one's going to overly value her first win over Shevchenko because of the situation on the regional scene. There was a cut. There was not the proper uh, commissioning involved if you talk to Valentina. But, Luke, this is her moment. Like, it's like she already made her name as a pioneer. She came close against Rousey. She'll always have that. But to be able to close out one's career with a major world title... There should be nothing holding her back, Luke. I love the spirit she fought against Watanabe with. If she brings that spirit, which obviously needs to be chased with a strong game plan and some adaptability, again, uh, I think the odds tell you that this will be a close fight. And the odds have Velasquez as, you know, minus 175, minus 200. But plus 130 is where you're seeing Carmouche land as the underdog. So this is very much, Luke, an interesting test. Uh, I love this contest. We'll see what happens. The rest of the card is not super great. Uh, if no. I could be honest with you, I'll, I'll read it to you here in just a second. We've got, oh, you know what? The co-main, actually, I'm wrong. There's two more fights on this that are interesting. One, co-main, Nikita Mikhailov taking on Enrique Barzola. Barzola is a guy who's been, I think, steadily getting a lot better in the bantamweight division. And Mikhailov, Mikhailov, I looked a little bit of tape on him in his record. He's only got one loss. I don't know a whole lot about him against more credentialed opposition, but he looks like an interesting figure. We'll have to see. But the one that is interesting, BC, is the fight-in uh, bout to get into the bantamweight tournament, right? Because they lost a bunch and they had to shake things up. Jornel Lugo taking on Danny Sabatello. Dude, this fight, no one is talking about it. This fight fucking rocks. Jornel Lugo is undefeated out of American Top Team, an absolute hammer who is super well-rounded. And Danny Sabatello is one of the better wrestlers that Bellator has in their bantamweight division. I think he's only got one loss, something like that. This is easily, easily the best fight on this card, period. I mean, Velasquez is the best fighter on the card, but this is the best fight. And more to the point, I'll say this. Do I favor the winner of either Lugo or Sabatello to win, ultimately, the Bantamweight tournament? I mean, that's saying a lot because Kyoji Horiguchi is still in it. Rafael Stotts is still in it. We'll see what happens. But if you're looking for a dark horse contender and you think that these guys, Lugo and Sabatello, can't compete with the upper limits of the Bantamweight division, I think you're very mistaken. These two guys are really good, but the problem is they're unheralded. And so this is going to tell us a little bit more about their future. I love this fight. Well, Luke, you should also love that co-main event a little more than you mentioned because although Barzola was initially set to face Josh Hill, who had a pullout with COVID, and now he's facing Nikita Mikhailov, this is also a play-in bout with the winner moving on in the Barzola-Mikhailov fight to face uh, Magomedov in the the first round. And then on the other side, Leandro Higo will face the winner of Lugo and Sabatello. So... What I like about that, Luke, is that, you know, Bellator has added some extra meaning to some fights that, you know, if you overlook them, could just be filler in your eyes. But when you look a little bit deeper, it's hungry fighters, as you mentioned. But again, let's not count out Barzola's chances of maybe making some noise in the tournament. He made his Bellator debut against Darian Caldwell, which is anything but an easy fight, and stopped him in the third round. He's got the UFC experience. Yeah, late replacement here, Luke, but you get a win, you're in that tournament. So, Something to watch for on the Friday night, which is the weaker card of the two for Bellator in Hawaii by far, but still plenty worth uh, checking out on Showtime. Only on Showtime, by the way. There you have it. And, of course, the prelim card, yeah. 9 p.m. in the East on YouTube, 10 p.m. in the East on Showtime for the main. Okay, same thing for Bellator 279 as I understand it, BC. 
Now, this is, in my judgment, the best card of the weekend and certainly better than Friday's card. It's designed to be that way. This card is sensational. Very good. Chris Cyborg takes on Arlene Blenko in the main event. BC, you gotta love Juan Archuleta taking on Ralphie and Stotts. Kyoji Horiguchi Woo! versus Patchy Mix. And back in action, Elaine McFarland taking on Justine Kish. Plus, there's yes. a bunch of good fighters on the prelim cards, including, no one's talking about this, Yancey Medeiros in Bellator taking on Emmanuel Sanchez. I mean, what at, a fucking fight that is. Okay. Dude, yeah. how good is that fight on the prelims? That's Emmanuel Sanchez <laughs> moving up in weight after those back-to-back uh, -back defeats there. El Matador, Luke, that could be a special brawl. We know how badly all of these Hawaiian-based fighters that were previ previously with the UFC always wanted the UFC to come to their island and make a big event. It never happened. Now you got Yancey Madero's going to do this on the Bellator card. Luke, this is going to be interesting. And um, I wonder if that gets bumped up you know, by the end to the main card. Sometimes that happens. Either way, a lot worth checking out here. But Luke, uh, let's get into the Grand Prix in a second. That main event, though, Will the third time be the charm for Arlene Blenko? Uh, 39 years old from Australia. You know I'm a super fan. I like her style, Luke. I like the anger fists, all right? They're angry. But we've seen her twice at the world title level with Bellator. 0 for 2. But when you look at that loss to Chris Cyborg the first time, Luke, I didn't give Arlene much of a chance coming in. Ultimately, you know, it took place in October 2020. She loses by second round submission. But, Luke, she was, she was kind of game. For parts of it she had some moments we know she's a puncher she's a good boxer has a professional background in a bunch of different mma um disciplines i know i've been saying this ever since chris cyborg showed up in bellator and won the championship that she's dominant but one of these days luke one of these days she's going to show up and she's going to be old or she'll be flat or she'll have the bad luck that happens in the fight game she'll get caught early luke do i have a feeling here that arlene blenko can do the impossible because she has put her nose to the grind despite high-level defeats and always come back. She trains at Jackson Wink, you know, goes long stretches away from her family, works with Holly Holm and everyone else there. She's coming in with a level of determination that I don't want you to sleep on, Luke. Are the odds going to be against her, against Chris Cyborg, just, you know, less than two years removed from being stopped? Uh, yeah, they are, Luke, okay? They are in a big way, plus... Uh, 775 is Blenko as an underdog. Minus 1400 is Cyborg as your favorite. Luke, tell me I'm crazy. Well, you're this crazy for me... saying nose to the grind as opposed to nose to the grindstone. Um... Heard it heard it both ways, guy. All right, first of all, be, be cool, okay? I mean, seriously here. All right, but all right. Luke, uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I'm telling I don't quite, you. I don't quite share your, I don't, I don't see it that way. I'll be honest, of all the fights on the main card, this one might be the least competitive. Doesn't mean bad, but it is the least competitive, at least from what we know. We'll have to see how the fights play out. Blinko is a talented fighter, and I respect her hustle, especially all the stuff she had to deal with, with Australian lockdowns and not being able to travel back home and how difficult this made her life. I really appreciate what she has sacrificed to be at this point. I mean that quite sincerely, but I just it's hard for me to see a case short of what you're talking about where she can win. Now, what you're talking about is, okay, Cyborg's obviously been the better one to this point by a considerable margin, but she is going to get old at some point, and it's going to be just overnight. You get old overnight in the fight game. Folks don't realize that, but it really is quite true. So is this the fight where she gets old overnight? It was kind of what I was imagining with Amanda Nunes because she wasn't getting old per se, but she was just taking on so many fights against so many different weight class challengers, and there was so much praise being heaped on her. I thought 
she might be letting her guard down a little bit. I, I don't know, man. Cyborg seems like she still has a chip on her shoulder, doesn't she? Like, coming out to that she press does. conference and wearing a thing that says fucking legend on it. Like, I definitely feel like she's trying to stick it to people for things that she feels she's been denied or wronged about. You can. I think on the flip side, and it's a little bit of a reach, but you can also say, does she have that big fight that she's aiming toward at the moment? I know PFL has intentions of wanting to make a big Kayla Harrison cyborg double promotion fight. But, Luke, that's at minimum at least more than a year off if it can even happen. I'm wondering, you know, what what, what is the cyborg motivation here despite survive in advance? So, look, did Blenko have monster moments in their first meeting? No. But I think, Luke, when you look at who has had any kind of good history against Cyborg, it's a small, it's a small group. Uh, in the past, we said, look, unless you're Amanda Nunes and you have the combination of chin, power, daringness, and really overall greatness to stand in there and take it to the bully, the big warrior Cyborg, you know, that might be your only chance. Well, look, none of these women are Amanda Nunes, right? But if you had to say who, who there has the combination of size and power and a good boxing background ability, if she decided, if Blenko decided and said, look, I already fought her straight up, I got served, right? I tried my best, I had a moment or two, I got swallowed up. What if I take the fight to Cyborg? Because Luke, mm. I think when the wheels fall off and when she eventually, if she hangs around long enough, gets solved, gets upset, I actually think it's gonna look a little bit like Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes, meaning the champ one day is gonna come out a little bit flat and she's going to have a hungry person in front of her who just won't go down and keeps pushing the fight. Look, it's not a it's not an easy challenge for anybody. But if Arlene Blenko looks at the realities of where she is in her late 30s, third chance at a title, nothing left to, to, to lose here, right? Only to gain. And she goes for it. This is the platform, the foundation you would need for an upset to have a chance. It's just like, Luke, you didn't call. You didn't call Pena over Nunez, and I'm not saying you're claiming you are, but you did say, hey, people, sometimes you got to stop looking at the odds. Sometimes you got to stop staying with all these narratives and just see a, a, a good fight break out between two hungry fighters. Um, let's see if Blenko can do that. Let's see if she can go all in, Luke. That's that's the entertainment I'm looking to see. You know what I mean? Does that equal an upset? It may not at the end of the day, but if she's willing to go all in, we may have a fight here. Okay, that's two cents from your boy BC. But Luke, I don't know if you saw, they put a little uh, asterisk on the uh, McFarlane Kish bout. First one to shit their pants loses. <laughs> or wins, depending on your perspective. Um, yes, I won't. I, 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 listen, I'll say this for Blenko's chances, and we'll talk about some of the other fights on the Grand Prix. If Cyborg is slipping a little bit, and if Blenko has the right game plan and can really push her, backwards quite literally push her backwards I think she can win I think she can win but short of those things being in play it's hard to see a, a, a realistic path of course MMA is crazy we'll have to see but that that's where I'm at on this one and I think you I think you'd largely agree with that if Cyborg is dialed in and patient and careful do you really yes. believe that Blenko can beat her no and then this is what happens when you have a long dominant champion in any combat discipline when it just is win after win after win you start digging deep and going, who's going to be the person? Who's going to be the one that's going to make a fun fight here? I'm just saying of the recent run, maybe it's Arlene, Luke. Maybe it's the damn anger fists, all right? Let's see how angry they actually are come Saturday night in Hawaii, Luke, okay? Luke, you ever get laid in Hawaii? They, they, they do that to you right when you walk off the plane. 
Okay, so let's talk about the other fights on the card, dad jokes. Uh, the bantamweight tournament. We'll start with Juan Archuleta, who, of course, is filling in for the pet, the champion, Sergio Pettis, taking on Ralphie and Stotts. Stotts having to, I don't know if permanently or certainly temporarily, leave uh, the gym of Duke Rufus in order to prepare for this. Archuleta, a former champion in this weight class, has fought uh, certainly out of it, but back at 135 now, as I wrongly assumed that he was still relatively youthful, he is not. He's 34 years of age. As of September, he'll be 35. Ralphie on Stotts, BC, is a fucking beast. Now, he's 33, but he's a little bit younger in his career and only one loss, which was back in 2017 to Marab Davalashvili back in Ring of Combat or whatever the fuck, um, you know, five years ago. Since then, he has been an absolute terror, undefeated in LFA and undefeated through five bouts in Bellator, last of which was Josh Hill and then Magomed Magomedov. He has looked awesome of late. Size these two up for me and tell me what this fight hinges on. Five rounds for the interim title. This is a great fight. It really is. I mean, when you're able to substitute in for the champion, Sergio Pettis, who's hurt, the former champion, Archuleta, and Luke, it's like, dude, Archuleta's still got a lot in the tank. He's 34, but Luke, who has he lost to? Okay, lost a five-round decision to Pettis in which he was competitive, but a, a craftier fighter in the moment got to him. And then one division above his head... He entered that featherweight World Grand Prix and pushed Patricio Pitbull five full rounds. Luke, before that, his only loss was in like his fifth pro fight in World Series of Fighting back in the day. Here's a guy, I think, who has really figured out how good he can be as his confidence has grown. Did he find out a certain level of plateau against Pettis? Yes. His straight-ahead attacking style didn't have the same nuances that Pettis, who can counter and has better footwork, did show. But Archuleta's had a long time off since then to go back in the lab and really figure it out. He should rightfully be the underdog here against Stotts, who is coming on in such a big way. You mentioned not young, he's 34, but he's just now figured it out. That performance against Magomed Magomedov was eye-opening. How you can go in there against a decorated grappler and just out-game him on the ground. Um, Styles-wise, Luke, it's it's Stotts' ability to put on the pressure and, and bring the threat of the takedown against Archuleta's insane pace, which very few can match. I think we're looking at a high-speed thriller here. This is a great fight coming at you. And in terms of replacements, again, you, you, you could do a lot worse. I, I like the pivot here from Scott Coker to plug Archuleta in for Pettis, bring in a couple playing bouts to try to fill out the rest of the bracket. But you should dial in if you're an a, a MMA fan Saturday night and get ready for both of these uh, Bantamweight Grand Prix fights because this is a great way to kick off the tournament. Yeah, here's what I'm thinking about this fight. Your, pay, the, your argument about the pace of Archuleta is correct. Stotts is an absolutely dynamic wrestler and grappler. But here's what I'll say for Archuleta. He's got great takedown defense, and he's got great scrambling, and he's got great, great cardio, which, of course, impacts his style. Now, his style has... It involves a lot of work, Archuleta. It's a, it's a very laborious style, but if you've got an incredible motor, then you can keep that up. So one, we're going to see exactly what kind of motor at the elite level, which I, which I would consider this, that Stotts has. Two, if Stotts can't get the takedown, what does he do with a guy like Archuleta? Because I don't think he's the kind of sharpshooter who can absorb pressure the way you talked about like Sergio Pettis was. Sergio Pettis, has a re, he's, a, he's a real dynamic, sharp, excellent, um, when he needs to be, counter-striker and boxer. I don't know if Stotts is that guy. We'll have to find out. But that's really what this is going to come down to. I don't know. Listen, Stotts might be able to get the takedown on Archuleta a couple times, maybe a bunch of times. I guess we'll have to see. And if he can, we'll then throw out everything else I'm about to say. But assuming that's not by itself enough to win, 
He's going to have to also have an answer for a guy who doesn't stop moving and who just jousts in these blitzes coming in from far apart and doesn't stop doing it. It's a huge test for Ralphie and Stotts, who, of course, was supposed to get the fight against Pettis for the world title. Now he has to win the whole fucking tournament and then fight Pettis just to get that fight where he was previously going to be at. So it's a tough contest, man. Really, really asking big questions. Can Archuleta add some wrinkles to get past some of the things that have held him back a little bit while building on his strengths? And is Stotts really of the championship caliber? There's no better test other than the champion himself than Juan Archuleta for us to find that out. You know, and I'm even though this is only we're only going to see half of the bracket this weekend, I and mean, we have two play-in bouts Friday night, and now we have two tournament kickoff bouts here. Not only this Stotts Archuleta fight, but of course the fight we're going to talk about now, Kyoji Horiguchi, uh, who you can argue even with the loss to the champion, that last-second sort of dynamic knockout loss to Sergio Pettis, could easily be the betting favor coming in. He'll be taking on Patchy Mix, a former title challenger. But Luke, I'm most interested on these first two nights to see who's going to make that early statement that the tournament is theirs because it feels a little wide open at the top. And what I mean by that is Rafion Stotts already, as you mentioned, seemingly secured a title shot and then they dropped this tournament format in him. Archuleta was almost considered an afterthought in this tournament. And now the former champions put right in and he's going to fight for the damn, you know, belt for the interim title. And then you got Horiguchi coming in there looking to, to prove everything that happened in that one second that he lost the Pettis fight after dominating was wrong. You also, of course, have Magomed Magomedov, who's not fighting this weekend, but could be a sleeper himself. I want to see who we're going to Monday morning on Morning Combat be like, wow, that's a, that's a firm opening statement as to who the favorite should be in this tournament. Totally agree. Love that contest. Um, with here, when we're talking about you know, the case of Patchy Mix and Kyoji Horiguchi, I, I will say it again, dude. Horiguchi was beating Sergio Pettis every which way until he just wasn't. And so there's a question of, how does he recover from the knockout? How does he get right again? I mean, now, of course, when he lost to Kai Asakura the first time getting knocked out, he came back and then knocked him out, I believe, and certainly won the second time. So, we, dude, Horiguchi, fair to say, Horiguchi is the best fighter in this tournament. I don't think that's really a stretch at all. He's the best one, right? He is. He is. I mean, he's, yeah. he's your favorite, right? Is he your favorite to win this? To win, yeah, I would say it's him. But here's the thing. Patchy Mix is can be... I don't think he's shown what Horiguchi has shown, but it'd be very foolish to look past him. You know, oh, that win over James Gallagher was, was phenomenal, and I guess, guess Gallagher is not Horiguchi, but I understand. I think in all of his fights, except the one he lost, BC, to Juan Archuleta, Pachi Mix has finished all of his Bellator opponents via, um, via submission. I mean, the guy is just an absolute back-take machine. So this is a winnable fight for Horiguchi, but a bit of a trap fight if he's not careful or if there are any lingering effects from what had happened to Sergio Pettis. I don't suspect that there will be, but this is why you got to fight it out because we just don't ever know. I think there's a little bit of pressure on Horiguchi here because of, of everything you just said. I mean, you know, he, he, he was on his way to being the champion, Luke. He was on his damn way. And then he loses that fight. Now the champion's out of this tournament. He's got a real chance. I talk about who's going to make the biggest statement. I think Horiguchi has the best chance here. Tough fight against Mix, but I'd like to see him come out and, and dominantly show us where he is in this bracket in terms of, you know, who we should be following. Stotts is going to have that same chance on his side as well. But when you look at the odds for both of these fights, Luke, plus 175 is Juan Archuleta, the former champion, the underdog, against the minus 225 Stotts. I can agree hmm. with that. And on the flip side here, minus 280, Horiguchi, the favorite, over the plus, uh, the minus, I'm sorry, the uh, plus 215 patchy mix there. I had some reading comprehension issues. But uh, it's showing you, Luke, uh, 
Damn, what a good weekend for Bellator. I know we're coming off a, a tentpole card at 277, which had, you know, some hit or miss in terms of the results. And But you talk about two days here. Uh, even the Ilimale McFarlane joke aside, when she shows up in Hawaii, Luke, the crowd goes ape shit. So I am looking forward to seeing her on the same weekend that her former title will be contested in Velasquez Carmouche, getting another chance here against Kish to make her statement to come back to another title shot. Because I think with a win here, Luke, we could be seeing Alima Leg getting that, that, that chance to regain her belt. Yeah, um, we, we should talk about that. So the champion defends her belt on Friday night. The champion previously beat Alima Leigh McFarlane. But if McFarlane gets this win over Kish, which I would widely expect to be the case, I think they're headed towards rematch city. This is a chance to, to boost back her profile as a contender, former champion, <laughs> to get her back where they where she was. And you indicated, and we talked about it before, dude, look at all of the Hawaiian names, and I'm sure I'm leaving some out here. Yancey Medeiros, Kai Kamaka Third, I believe, uh, let's see who else we have on here, Keone Diggs. I think Bobby King is even from Hawaii, although I could be wrong about that as well. And then on down the card. It's a showcase. We all, for, if, you missed, if you missed MMA in the early, 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 sort of mid-2000s, you missed the, with the, or even the 90s too, you missed that Hawaii was an absolute hotbed mm. of not just where good fighters came from, BJ Penn and many others, you know, uh, Ronald Machine Gun Jun and, and, and some other ones along the way. But Max Holloway? Uh, Max? Well, but I'm, talking about, I'm talking about late 90s, early 2000s, that, that era. But it, but it was also, Blaisdell Arena was a home to so many important big fights. Super Brawl came out of there. Icon Sport came out of there. It's great to see a major organization back in Hawaii and, and showing people what Hawaii used to mean to MMA back again. So, and if love you didn't, that. if anyone didn't see when Ali Malay McFarland made her Bellator debut in Hawaii the last time they were here, Luke, there is a short list of people who, in their hometown, in the combat sports game, can create that type of excitement. It's basically Terrence Crawford in Omaha, Nebraska, anyone <laughs> in the UK, right? And and and, and Ali Malay McFarland. I mean, they were going ape shit for her luke so you can check out two nights of fighting if you're local in hawaii and i'm sure there'll be some good post limbs at the lava shack parking lot luke and maybe get a gubernatorial debate going if we can you know. yeah that joke is good but i'm not going to add anything to it i'm just going to leave that there it still uh, works still works yeah all right well uh we'll talk about predictions on friday a little bit all right bc let's get to topic number two of course what we just talked about was weekend headlines but let's talk about PFL tonight. So it's technically PFL 1 again, which is how they're naming these. I don't really understand that. But okay, neither here nor there. The card is going to be as follows. In, it's going to be uh, three lightweight fights, one light heavyweight contest. Of course, there's a prelim card as well. The prelim card will kick off at 6 p.m. East on ESPN+. Plus. Your main card, 9 p.m. East on ESPN, uh, Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. BC, no, your ESPN main event. Main. Luke, get it right. The main card's on regular ESPN, okay? ESPN slash ESPN Plus, but fair enough. Uh, Clay Collard taking on Jeremy Stevens will be your main event. We'll talk about that in a second. The guy who won last year, who beat Anthony Pettis, Haush Menfio, taking on Don Madge. Y'all don't know who Don Madge is. You're about to find out. The last winner of the light heavyweight tournament, Antonio Carlos Jr., a.k.a. Shoeface, taking on Delon Monte. And then it opens up with Natan Schulte taking on Olivier Aubin. Marcier. BC, Collard versus Stevens. Collard had a great pandemic, to be honest with you. Was on ESPN for boxing. Was on ESPN for MMA. Had a shitload of upsets. It's Jeremy Stevens' PFL debut. What are you expecting here? Freaking fireworks, Luke. So Collard <laughs> nearly won the whole damn thing last year. I mean, he had sort of a bad decision in that some people thought that kept him from doing that. And he went out there against Anthony Pettis in Showtime's debut with the PFL and 
absolutely lit him up in a wild action fight. Luke, you look at Jeremy Stevens more or less moving up in weight here to lightweight. He weighed in today at 156 pounds. Uh, you saw this. I don't know if you saw the size difference between them at the stare down, Luke. This is going to be a fight. This is going to be a brawl. And I think just adding somebody of Jeremy Stevens' entertainment value is a boon for PFL in this lightweight tournament. But I want to see, Luke, if he can come out there a division above maybe his best work in the UFC and and make a run at it. It's it's no easy test against Clay Collard. And I even had the... I even, you know, fell into the, okay, he's got some boxing upsets, but he's a journeyman for a reason in MMA. You know, we saw him lose back in the day in the UFC to Max Holloway. You know, he is who he is. No, this guy has has worked it. He was opportunistic during the pandemic, as you mentioned, but he's figured out, Luke, how to be a tough out for anyone. Uh, this is not an easy fight for Jeremy Stevens. I think we need to understand that. And I think given their backgrounds... The, you know, smart cage, you're, you're going to have a dumb cage, Luke. You're still going to get action. You're going to need somebody to count all those strikes because they're coming for it. Did you see what, I, I forget which leader it was of the PFL. He was doing, a, I think, a Barstool Sports podcast, and they were asked about, he was asked about open scoring, and his answer was, well, you know, he's quite rightly that that's a commission issue, so, like, you, you know, we, we, can't, we can't do that for them, which is quite true. But he was saying that they're gonna they, that they might have a uh, what was it a computer modeling slash statistical uh, numerical way of getting open scoring without the commission being involved. I'm like, you guys throw random numbers on the screen that are of literally, and I'm not exaggerating, zero value to anybody, and now you think you're gonna come up with a mathematical solution to work around commission intransigence around open scoring okay all right i believe that not at all but neither here nor there the card is good bc now i will say this would you say clay collard is a journeyman is that a fair way to put it because if you look at his most recent run bc his last win came at pfl 20, in the 2021 season in, in uh, june which is great he had two back-to-back -back wins one over pettis one over luderbach but then he lost to the guy who eventually won the whole thing hausman fio and then he had two boxing fights that he also lost to Damian Sosa back in 2021. And then Yoelvis Gomez, he lost that one on Christmas night as well. Is he a journeyman? What is he? Yeah, I mean, on the, at his core, he's a journeyman. But as I just, you know, gave him at least a, a petal of a flower, Luke, he, he's used those, those journeyman opportunities to, to toughen up and across two sports, be a hammer, be a tough out, dude. I mean, look, he was the the joy of 2020 for top-ranked bubble boxing where they had access to just a small amount of fighters and he kept showing up and kept upsetting prospects. But I think he's used that to build his confidence and his striking and adapted it well back to the MMA game where, okay, is he still a journeyman? Yeah, that could be a disrespectful term. But he's a tough as shit journeyman, Luke. And, uh, you know, what, what are the odds on this one, Luke? Do we have the odds in first? Let me, let me look them up. Here. I can look those up. I will tell you. But I also wanted to ask you the following, if I may, BC, which is pop quiz. What was Hot the job. year yeah. where Jeremy Stevens last scored a win? What was, the, what was the year? I would guess it was the fight before he got knocked out to the body by Jose Aldo. So that was probably... 17. Close. 2018. He beat Gilbert Melendez in 2017, Duho Choi in 2018, and then Josh Emmett. Dude, that's a fucking hell of a run. Woo! And knocking out Josh Emmett, and then BC. Now, he has lost everything since. Well, there's one no contest, but he hasn't won. But here's what I want to point out. Listen to the names that beat him. Jose Aldo, Zabit Magomed Sharapov, Yair Rodriguez, which, by the way, he was losing that fight at the end there. 
Calvin Cater, and Mateus Gamrot, who's about to be the next big thing probably at, uh, in that weight class. Certainly he's going to be a, a very difficult guy to beat. So it's not like he's losing to fucking chumps, man. He's only losing no. to very, very elite, or at least at a bare minimum, very, very good fighters. I don't think he's shopworn. I just think that he's certainly older, obviously, but I think that um, this is going to be a better demonstration of where his ability is. Because yeah, if yeah. you lose to Aldo, okay, you can't beat that guy. But what's that supposed to mean? Does it mean you can't beat Clay Collard? Doesn't mean that. But we'll have to see tonight whether, in fact, he has some more significant issues going on. And if you're looking for odds, minus 105, Collard the favorite, minus 115, Jeremy Stevens. That's basically a pick on there, Luke. And, of course, we're all looking ho- – hopefully Stevens can end up rematching uh, Anthony Pettis this season. So, look, PFL – look, I, I, you know, I, PFL keeps doing enough good things to keep me tuning in, okay? We'll see what happens here. But, Luke, how about Shoeface, a minus 900 favorite uh, huh. in, his, in his first fight since winning it last year? Did you see the comments he gave this week in which he said – he paid more taxes in 2021 on his PFL winnings than he earned the previous year in the UFC. Do you believe that? Yeah, you know, here's the thing. It's like everyone focuses on the fact that, oh, well, there's low fighter pay. I mean, no one has been beating that drum, maybe except for John Nash more than me in the last, well, Josh Gross too. But certainly I'm not hiding that, nor am I changing that that is what the story is here. However, this is just good publicity for PFL. PFL can't ever have the roster that UFC can. It's not in the cards. They will always be something like MLS to you know some major European league by comparison. It's just what it's going to be. However, they can get a ton of good praise, and they can, I would say, you know, uh, they can bat outside of their or they can fight outside of their weight class, so to speak. By offering these huge purses, they can get certain guys that they ordinarily would not be able to get. Dude, Shoeface is a quality fighter. Very high-level jiu-jitsu player, independent of MMA. And, of course, you know, he had some ups and downs in the UFC, but he's still very good. DeLon Moore seems like he's in for, or DeLon Monte, excuse me, seems like he's in for a bit of a rough run. But, you know, this is, everyone focuses, oh, UFC doesn't pay shit. Okay, well, they could pay more, certainly. I, no one knows that, that uh, everyone knows that's the truth. But I actually like how PFL positions itself here like, right, but we have a clever way of getting just about anybody good paid. You just have to come into our tournament. It's a really interesting way of saying Yeah, you just have up. to come win our $1 million. Luke, to close which, here. Which he uh, did. Boy, no, no, no. We, dude, we got to talk about this co-main. You skipped what, well, right over that's what it. I'm trying to transition into, Luke. You know what I mean? I got I got co-hosting abilities here. You talked about your boy Don Madge being a, a, a great uh, best-kept secret if you haven't been in on it. He's the betting favorite in this one. Um, are you saying that he's a he's a monster threat to come out here and steal this divisional championship? Yeah, he might win the whole thing. Uh, Don Madge is fucking awesome. He's very, very good. Don Madge, only uh, in the UFC, he only had two fights, I think, in the UFC. Tay Edwards, folks may not remember him. This kid looked like a million bucks on the Contender Series. Super uh, muscular and uh, had a wrestling background and was not going to... He looked like the new Josh Koshtick or something. And then Don Madge fucking handed him his ass pretty quickly and then he fought Ferez Ziam and he decisioned him and I think what happened after that he had canceled bouts against Magomed Mustafaev canceled bouts against Nasrat Hakparast canceled bouts against a lot of guys and I think what ended up happening was there was some travel issues and maybe some visa issues as well coming from South Africa so I think UFC just let him go not that he was bad they just they couldn't make use of him and they couldn't give him fights so they had to kind of set him on his way then he had one fight in PFL where he beat Nathan Williams and he stopped him in the second round with a rear naked choke ladies and gentlemen Don Madge if you don't know who he is South African fighter I would say he's much more of a Muay Thai specialist than he is you know a submission threat per se but well-rounded an excellent striker and a violent one on top of it Don Madge is 
fucking awesome. And I'm telling you, if he wins tonight, I would say he might be your your favorite to win the whole thing. He is super, super good. But Houseman Fio came in with no acclaim and then took the whole thing. So it's a tough fight. It's a great one. But this is one to keep your eye on. The winner of this is probably your prohibitive favorite to win the whole tournament. Yeah. Are you going to be tuning in early for Omari Akhmedov, Luke? I wouldn't call Omari Akhmedov appointment viewing, um, okay. if that's what you mean. Uh, anything else on the card? Catch your interest, BC. Um, some other ones no. No, that's about it. But, hey, PFL, I'll give you the chance to win me over again. It all goes down tonight, Luke, so check your local listings. Thank you. Yes, and if you need to order Uber Eats, the PFL Smart Cage can do it. Although, <laughs> did you see their set for the weigh-in yesterday? It no, looked I didn't. awesome. It looked fucking great. It you think they'll cool. let Randy Couture wear my uh, one love hat? That is in his style, Luke, to wear that. Uh... Yeah, but Randy Couture is Randy Couture. You are just a Connecticut dirtbag. Big difference. Luke, I may look, I may scream to you low T, but I do want to let you know I got myself tested last year in the hope that I did have low T so that my doctor could prescribe me some TRT because I was looking to have a 2013 Vitor Belfort comeback year, Luke, where I put all all my competitors on notice. Turns out, Luke, I have an adequate level of testosterone inside me. Who would have thought, right? I mean, I mean that BDE might explain a little, but, uh, you know, wow, yeah. All right. Are you done? Are you done? Okay. All right, topic number three. Now we'll talk a little bit about boxing, BC. Bring us up to speed. Tyson Fury will take on Dillian White. Main card, as I understand it, will be at 2 p.m. East Coast time on ESPN Plus pay-per-view or pay-per-view. And then your prelim card, they have it as 1 p.m. East Coast time on ESPN Plus. You can check out the full fight card if you want. Uh, Tyson Fury, BC, about a minus 550 in certain places. Dillian White, plus 400. That's pretty close for a Tyson Fury fight. Set this one up be. for us. Yeah. Say again? I think it should be that close. Look, this is a great okay. fight. All right. This so set it up fight. for us. For, for MMA fans who don't know, our British fans probably know, but for American or whoever, who is Dillian White and why do you consider these odds so fair? Yeah, look, Dillian White is is tough as freaking nails. He's six foot four. He can punch. He's durable. And he's, he's come the hard way to get to where he is finally. Look, he's been a mandatory, paid money to step aside for years. But what he has done is, look, we first knew of him when Anthony Joshua was on the rise, back when Joshua was fighting for Showtime. And they were amateur rivals. And look, let's give White credit. He came into that fight. He hurt Joshua. He nearly, you know, had him in trouble and then got stopped himself. Since then, he went on an absolute tour de force, beating everybody the division offered to him. He beat Derek Chisora twice. He beat Joseph Parker, the former champion. I mean, on and on. And then we got into that two-fight deal with Alexander Povetkin, in which, Luke, he was knocked out and sent to hell. You know, as On vicious that uppercut, as you, that vicious uppercut. As vicious as you possibly could by a one-punch knockout, his mandatory status had been lost. But what did he do? He went back into a rematch with the 40-year-old Povetkin and reversed the curse and sent him to hell. He's only 34 years old. He's big. He can punch, and he goes after it. And yes, should Fury be favored? Of course. Tyson Fury is the most skilled heavyweight of this era by far, right? I mean, Usyk's making some noise on his own, and we'd love to see if they can ever consummate that. But Fury is a special, special being. And look, White's got a chance here. Now, is it a puncher's chance? Probably in the end. But I do want you to realize that Tyson Fury has been 
fighting a little bit more than normal in recent years. You know what I mean? This isn't the the skinny, slick guy against Klitschko from 2015 per se. He's putting on more weight these days. We saw him get into an absolute brawl with Deontay Wilde in their third fight last year in which he got dropped twice, got back up, kept fighting. Luke, this has potential to be a very fun fight if Dillian White can really time the chances that he takes. And now look, does he have a, a massive reach disadvantage against Tyson? Of course, right? And also a five-inch height disadvantage. But he's not a regular heavyweight. Dylan Dillian White is a super heavyweight. He's six foot four. He's 265 pounds, whatever. I mean, he's a legitimate puncher and tough as nails. He it's his job to make this a fight, not a boxing match. And I just think the recent trend of Tyson, you know, bringing on Sugar Hill Stewart as his trainer because he wants to be more offensive. I'm not saying this plays into Dillian White's hands, but this is a good time for Dillian White to be fighting Tyson Fury and being willing to go for it, which he always is. And you want to talk about an event, Luke. The, the pay-per-view card sucks. It's, it's a shitty one. But as a main event in front of 94,000 sold tickets at London's Wembley Stadium to set a new UK outdoor record this Saturday... You not only have to see it for the personalities involved, the styles involved, but this is still the heavyweight championship of the world. It's Fury putting his WBC and his lineal ring magazine, whatever you want to call it, title on the line. Yes, Usyk has the other three heavyweight titles. He seems to be headed toward a summer rematch with Anthony Joshua. But, you know, this is the big time. And Tyson Fury did reiterate at every media stop this week that he is retiring after this bout. Luke... You know, I don't believe him. I don't think anybody believes him. Maybe he's going to step away for a while and see what happens with the Joshua-Usyk rivalry. But I think, Luke, eventually we are going to see an undisputed heavyweight championship out. And I think we're going to end up looking back. I mean, this is this is going to be a tough fight. Uh, you know, if if Otto Valin could bloody Tyson Fury and get him into a brawl on, on a random night, Luke, Dillian White is very capable. And you did mention mm. those would be wide odds for a UFC main event, but in big-time boxing where they tend to be wide that's as narrow, shit, yeah. that's narrow. This is a fight. It's one that Tyson can win by boxing if he can pull it off and maybe can win by selective smart fighting. But, you know, when you go in there with Dillian White and Tyson Fury said it himself at this morning's press conference, you're going to have to fight. That's, that's the bottom line. This guy absolutely brings it. And Luke, Dillian White, to his credit, is so much better than the guy who got knocked out by Anthony Joshua some seven years ago. I mean, this is a different cat. Um, mm. I do think, what, since we're talking storylines, Luke, how do you feel everyone wait, has wait, responded? Wait, 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 I got one more on the fight itself before we move on from it. And I do want to ask you this because only, you're much better capable of answering this than I am. No one talks anymore about some of these other players, the top four guys, because Joshua lost to Usyk, and then, yes, Tyson Fury beat Deontay Wilder, and we haven't seen Wilder since, and he might be retired. So let me ask you this. What if Dillian White does win? What does that do to the heavyweight division? I, I think it, fur it further turns things upside down, which, you know, Usyk upsetting Anthony Joshua when, you know, just to, don't forget, in the summer of last year, we thought we were heading to Anthony Joshua versus uh, Tyson Fury for all four belts in a two-fight deal. And, of course, Tyson Fury said, thank you, Daniel Kinahan, for, for getting this fight for me and booking it, which I'll get to that in a second. But, um, you know, Usyk comes in, flips that upside down. We need a rematch on that side. If White does that, I think you'd have to expect we're going to get the same thing, an immediate rematch on this side. But, um, you know, should we have already had a four-belt champion at heavyweight? Yeah, we should have already. We should have had it years ago, right? We should have had Wilder versus uh, Joshua a bunch of years ago. But it's been fun since Tyson Fury dropped back in. 
And even if it's delayed gratification and getting what we want, which is the consummation of one champion, one division, one face, right? Uh, if White pulls the upset here, more big business to come, Luke, because I don't think Tyson Fury's walking away should he lose this under any circumstance. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to get back in there and fight for what's his. But I did want to transition into that other storyline lingering over this and boxing yes, in general, Luke, which is the Daniel Kinahan situation. You went uh, very educatedly, gave out a great extra credit video this week on YouTube.com slash Morning Combat, focusing more on the UFC side of it and the UFC fighter who called out Kinahan's name and had to deal with our boy Alan Dawson of Insider coming at him. But in boxing, Kinahan has even more deeper roots with MTK, even though, Luke, every single person is denying the shit out of seemingly ever knowing Kinahan or ever having worked with him. And, the you know, whether you're talking about Richard Schaefer from Probellum, Bob Yalen, who just stepped down as CEO, you know, as a as the the guy running MTK or anyone, they're saying, oh, no, MTK and, and Kinahan haven't been together since 2017. Well, no one believes that to actually be true, Luke, because there's pictures lingering of Bob Yalen and Kinahan a year and a half ago hanging out together at a charity dinner. Tyson Fury just last summer shouted out Kinahan. Um, I'll give credit to the British outlet that sat down with Tyson Fury this week and finally was able to ask him and pushed him with four or five questions in a row. And look, it was Sky. It was dodge. It was deflect. It was that's his business. It's not mine. He wasn't a part of the negotiation of this fight. I have no dealings with him. Look, I'm going to say it right here. Everybody's fucking lying. I get I get why they are, but it feels like everybody's fucking lying. Now suddenly no one ever knows who Kinahan is. Dude, yeah. he's been a monster player behind the scenes. Now that the U.S. government is saying if you deal with him, you're in trouble, you're seeing, uh, I think ESPN cut ties with MTK. Bob Aaron put his hands up and says, I'm not working with him. Frank Warren said, I never worked with him. That was always Bob Aaron. And now today, Luke, MTK put out a press release said that they're seizing operations yep. because of these unfounded allegations. Dude, it's not that I expect better from boxing, but what a load of bullshit. Could you sp could you turn the fingers back on the media for not making as big of a case to somebody as Alan Dawson did for why it's bad that this guy was in a prominent position? You can. We all just sort of went, eh, it sucks, but... I've seen it before, right? <laughs> I mean, look, if you dig... Luke, the truth is, if you dig up the roots of boxing and MMA power right now, you're going to find a lot of gross shit in there. And everyone just knows that, right? But now after the fact, after that the U.S. has put in these sanctionings against dealing with Kinahan, to see every single person be like, wasn't me. Yeah, yeah, right, Jeffrey. Come on. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, dude, you know like, what it is? It's the, it's the shaggy defense. Uh, you even banged her in the shower. It wasn't me. You banged her on the sofa. It wasn't me. We even caught you on camera. It wasn't me. It's the sorriest, shittiest defense I've ever seen. And only happens when the long arm of the law is like, we'll fuck your life up if you do business with him. Only then were they like, oh, I don't know what's going on. All you fuckers knew. All of you guys knew exactly what you were doing. You knew exactly where he was. You knew exactly what his involvement was. And you just didn't care. If anything, if anything, uh, and us too, by the way, although I, I, I frankly didn't know a whole lot about Kinahan until relatively recently, but even then, it doesn't really matter. If anything, combat sports media has under underreported this story although now it appears to at least for a moment be coming to a close as you indicated mtk closing up shop here i will ask you one question about that not so much the scandal but any chance tyson would be derailed by all of this by the questions because he clearly was agitated answering questions about it and you know this is a guy who's done a good uh, i mean so much press you couldn't even imagine does he 
any, any role that this story might play come fight time, I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, yeah, I was going to bring that up. I don't think it will. Some of it is because Tyson Fury is is very mentally tough, despite his own you know setbacks in the past with mental health, which he's very open about uh, sharing and, and fighting to this day. He Luke, he's a, always been a great deflector. I mean, Tyson Fury is the best at... If he doesn't want to answer your line of questioning, he'll just completely shift it or he'll just come over the top with, I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Like, I mean, like, you know, he he's he's known and used to doing that. I think the biggest question is, is anyone could anyone end up getting in trouble long term from their dealings? How detailed mm. is the paperwork here? You know what I mean? Like, because it's like, what do I expect from Tyson? I kind of expect him to stand up and go, look. Okay, those issues are Kinahan's, but yeah, he's my advisor. I, I, I've said that before publicly. Do I have to, you know, stop working with him now based on this? Maybe, but to see everybody just throw their hands up, it's it's bullshit to me, Luke, at the end of the yeah. day. I don't think it'll affect him coming in, but it's an interesting storyline that I think rightfully is being asked. And the fact that they did that teleconference last week and nobody was allowed to give off a question on that is just absolute bullshit. I mean, like, yeah. I'm not saying, Luke that everybody has to do something beyond a no comment. If that's your stance for whatever strategic reason, that's fine. But to not even have a built-in chance for somebody to ask that question is, I mean, come on, it's a fight game. It's, it's a fucking, fucking lame. circus. It's like, dude, if you like, want to do business, it, listen, here's what I'm always going to tell people. If you want to do business with people and then make it public, which is what Tyson Fury and whoever else did thanking these people or you know, for, thanks for your advisors or he's my advisor or whatever, it's fair game, folks. Sorry, it's fair game. You can like it or you can hate it. It's completely fair game. You can't brag about doing business with a guy and how important he is and then be like, oh, these questions are out of bounds. Why is this fucking question out of bounds? You're the one telling the world he's your advisor. You're the one telling the world that he, you were thanking him for making fights happen. You're the one who decided to take, or in minute, whatever the case may be, taking pictures with him or joining his organization. You made these choices and you made them publicly. You're a famous person doing now, allegedly, business with a somebody who, uh, not just the U.S. government, but several world governments have said is a crime boss. Yeah, it's... Fair game. Sorry. Fair game. You know, like it, even, dislike it. It's fair. Even when MTK hired Bobby Allen, who, if you don't know, has a long history in boxing from being a TV executive back in the day, putting on boxing on ABC and ESPN to being, you know, working in the sanctioning bodies. He's going into the Boxing Hall of Fame this spring, you know, in June when they do the three classes in one because of the pandemic. Look, there's press release quotes from him from a year and two years ago going, these are all baseless accusations against Kinahan, blah, 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 blah. And now this week, it's suddenly I'm resigning because the pressure on my family is too much from this. Well, you know, even when he got signed, Luke, when, when that press release first came out, the Bobby Allen, a guy of, you know, reputable name is joining this. So a lot of people going, oh, wow. Like, well, it all happened, Luke, to just to just walk away now and be like, it wasn't me again. It's, it's just sort of like you knew who you were dancing with. Right. So when the ship blows up, it is what it is. Own it. Own it. All right. With that out of the way, BC, we are done with our uh, topics to set up the weekend. Now we have a new segment, which I believe we are tentatively calling Producer Preguntas, which means questions in Spanish. Time for Producer Preguntas. Let's get this going. I hope going. we have an intro graphic here of Producer Preguntas. Do we have anything Preguntas. for this? Hey! Hey, that's about as generic uh, put together in five <laughs> minutes as you can. I'm proud of you guys All for right. that. Thank All you. All right, let's get Long Island Luke. I think he's the one coming on the uh, the screen here, or we're going to hear his voice. How's this so going to work? So let's set this up. Luke, what's the premise here? Are they, they going to ask us questions? I believe so. Set this up for us, guys. Let's bring in Long Island. Hey, Luke. look at this. Look at look this guy. At, so all right, hold on. Let's set this up for just a second. 
identify yourselves left to right. right so that so would be you I'm first, Corey. Corey. Slash Manish. Turn that. Turn oh, that we got an echo. Yeah, can we fix Corey the sound issues Manish. here on this echo? Long Island loop. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> so there we go. All right, boys. How is this going to work? You guys, Gaff, I need that volume up a little bit so I can hear. Um, just not too loud. Um, are you guys ready? Do you want me to just throw to one now? Yeah, let's yeah, do it. We got nothing else to do, Corey. You know, we're just sitting here yeah, looking at you. The show is live. <laughs> I, I'd love to get a live reaction of Jay Aaron watching this, you know, being like, they, they let me go for All this. Right, so I mean, come on. You ready? Question one. Yes. Dana White revealed that he wants to book John Jones versus Stipe for the interim heavyweight title. And sportsbetting.ag dropped the opening line. It has John Jones as a minus 200 favorite and Stipe is a plus 170. So what are your thoughts on the odds? Ooh. Any value on either fighter that you would like to adjust? I got to say, I find it probably fair, right? Because even Jones acknowledged that his, he finally acknowledged that his fight against, who was it, Dominic Reyes, was not a great showing by him. And in fact, that was the first fight I've ever, I've said it before, I was the only one I've ever scored against John. I do think John lost that contest, but he won it, skin of his teeth, blah, blah, blah. And he even acknowledged he kind of had a shitty performance. But he's talking about rejuvenation. And I got to say, we all know Brendan Gibson is good. If you guys don't know who Stan Efferdine is, the rhino, he's one of the best guys in the whole fucking fitness industry in terms of how to get his athletes ready for what they're trying to do. I have a high degree of respect for Stan Efferdine. And, um, you know, John has had a lot of outside issues. But I don't know, BC, I think minus two to plus 170, that's about right, right? I think I think they nailed it. And, and it's not that they aren't. That's not their job. They are, their job is to nail it, but sometimes, as we often mention, and we should, you know, it's it's meant to induce betting in certain directions. I think this is straight up a great line to start off with because John's skill-wise, reputation-wise, should demand being a slight favorite here. But, dude, you have to love Stipe with a puncher's chance as with plus money here. Uh, he's been more active than John. Not, not by a lot, but he's been more active than John, who I don't think we can quickly overlook how long he's been off once he finally steps in and moves up for this heavyweight debut. But Luke, most importantly, this, the biggest question that we're going to need answered from John in moving up to heavyweight is his chin and durability against punchers of mm -hmm. this level. You don't get any better historically in terms of being a finishing puncher than Stipe Miocic. So even if this is a situation where John comes out and wins first couple rounds and is controlling from distance, you know, eventually it's going to be a fight, and Stipe can take as much or more damage than seemingly any heavyweight in this modern era and fight through it. That's become his calling card, even in this old age. Dude, I'm telling you, this needs to be the International Fight Week main event. They need mm. to throw John whatever that minimum number is in the middle ground to make it happen. And if they do, I like these odds, Luke. And if they do, I'm always the guy betting against Stipe. You're giving me plus money for Stipe when John's mm. off this long? Yeah, give me that shit, bro. Yeah, give it to off, me. Off this long, up a weight class. What's his cardio going to be like? What's his weight going to be like? What's his punching power going to be like? What's any of this stuff going to be like? Obviously, a guy as talented as John, if he's still remotely what he was, will have some answer for all of these questions, and he will perform ably on some level, I'm sure. But there are questions like that. Dude, John hasn't fought since before the fucking pandemic. Yeah, I mean, it's been all that time, which seems like it's more or less coming to a close, or we'll, we'll see. But certainly, you know, a lot of time has elapsed. He's missed all of it. And by the way, I want to point this out again. 
two times in that space had a run-in with the law. Two times. Yeah. He fired the guns off in Albuquerque downtown in the middle of quarantine. There was you know, bottles open in his car. They waived that because, or they, you know, he didn't get in super trouble for it because the jails were so full that they didn't want COVID spreading. So he got out from that. And then he had the in- incident in Las Vegas. Now, John's always been able to perform despite, uh, what you call it, like all these other outside issues. But BC, you know, his coach kicked him out, basically. Certainly his longtime significant other, it looks like, has parted ways with him, although who knows what the current status of that is. But it's been a very, it's not just off time, dude. It's been extremely disruptive, difficult time. These are, you know, that he's even, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be the favorite, but even that is somewhat not surprising, maybe a little bit questionable, a little bit, a little Uh, bit. Dude, John has been Teflon for so long, despite some very large public missteps. Yeah, he got stripped of the title three times, only fighter to do that, so it's not like he hasn't faced penalty from his actions but dude he's been you know to keeping that unbeaten record alive despite a lot of different twists and turns and, and you know he just so happens in the past to be somebody who is able to thrive when the chaos is more when it gets bigger around him he's you know like Mayweather in a weird way but Luke eventually as you would say that that check's going to become due and what I love about this matchup the most is the same potential advantage that John Speed could have in going just one division apart from 205 to heavy, which is such a big gap for so many reasons, the same equal amount of questions of whether he can take that same level of, I mean, his chin at 205, Luke is legendary, right? Yeah. His, his, his recuperative ability, his focus when times are tough is all time. Great. But we're talking about heavyweights here, right? We're talking about super heavyweights. So, uh, it's going to be great theater and, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like, Luke, but you know, Maybe Honey Boo Boo's back in the picture. It's not me. To, it's not my. It's not room for me to, to suspect that. Okay. All right. Next, what you got so, for us? Next up, Corey Anderson revealed he had an altercation with Fedor following Bellator 277. Corey said, "When I got worked up, that's really? because of Fedor came in and said, you don't win, you headbutt, you don't win.' Like motherfucker, what? Excuse my language. Like really, Fedor? <laughs> you gonna say that? So you're trying to tell me I wasn't beating your guy? I wasn't winning this fight?" Corey Anderson should rematch Nemkov, then face Fedor in his heavyweight debut, and from there take on the heavyweight champ. Tell me why this is not the best path for Corey Anderson's career. Uh, Well, it's not the best path because I don't think he's got a body that's going to make a perfect instant transition to heavyweight, although the, the field in the Bellator heavyweight division is anything but deep. But, um, okay, Mikey Mormal jumping in and saying, don't forget, he already beat Bader. He did. He destroyed him at light heavyweight. So that, that could make sense. But you know I love a, a pro wrestling get back, and this is screaming that. Dude, I, <laughs> I'd almost say, let's pause on the Nemkov fight. <laughs> let's go to Moscow. Let's, I'll retire your ass, Fedor. That's, that's the spirit I want to see Corey Anderson. In reality, Luke, no. You got to go. You got to do the Nemkov rematch. And then, you know, you got to defend because there's a lot of big names at 205. But, you know, could I talk myself into liking that type of grudge match? Of course I can, Luke. But it's not going to I just think it's funny that, I mean, that's he told Anderson more than he ever told me. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah, uh, yeah, he ain't told you shit. And he he told me shit, but I'll say this. Yeah. I, you know, to the point, Corey Anderson would probably win that contest, but nah, I don't want to see You know, dude, Fedor's quick hands have surprised a few in the past. He certainly before. has. He certainly has. But even then, like, Timothy Johnson's going to be a lot slower than than Corey Anderson, right? That is true. That is true. All right, boys, show a little life in these questions. You're just reading them out like it's fucking instructions on a VCR repair manual. (laughs) 
you guys lot, look like somebody's lot going a on. You know, we're, we're settling into this segment. Great, yeah. you know? um, all right. Hey, how about Long Island Luke? He he does have. Can can we pause and, and talk about him? He does have Aussie roots. We have a lot of fans down uh, under Aussie Long roots, Island Luke. Luke. You want to share this? Just shout out to Melbourne. Shout out to any Aussie city kickboxing, Oceano, that whole region. <laughs> Uh, t- to fill that, in the blanks that Luke is leaving out, Long Island Luke's dad is his data is from down under. Okay, yeah. his sure. data. Okay, yeah. all right, great. No one cares. Okay, next to the next. All right, go on to the next I'm, gonna, I'm gonna enunciate great, a little bit more. Great this theater time. here. Fabricio Verdun announced he is opting against retirement and eyeing a 2022 return to PFL. Now this is nothing new in MMA. Ooh. Fighters retire, unretire all the time. The question is. If you could bring one MMA fighter out of retirement and magically restart their career in 2022, which fighter are you choosing? Ooh. Oh, I love that question. That is a great one. Habib, right? Habib. To re- so you'll restart it. He'll be like a, like a debuting prospect. Well, I don't know if he has, you know, he had to fight a contender or something, you know. What do you think, Habib? Uh, Mikey's sliding in and saying Dan Henderson. Be- Bro, you know, have you seen Dan and- Henderson recently? He ain't in fight shape anymore. Okay, Luke, you're missing the spirit of the question. The idea of the question is to take any fighter in history, bring them to today, and have them sort of restart their career. I'm thinking from the beginning, right? Wait, hold on, Corey. Are we bringing people out of retirement, or are we just doing time travel shit? We're doing time travel shit, Luke, okay? Okay. We're taking a peop- someone from a different era – Dropping them into this era with 1.21 gigawatts of electricity and BJ finding Penn. out how they would be. BJ Penn, for sure. BJ I think Penn Dan, for me. Dan Hendo is a strong pick. I think he has an adaptable game. I mean, he almost won the damn title at 46, Luke. Let me ask you this, BC, in spirit of this question. Yeah. Which fighter who was great previously, maybe not like super amazing or maybe that too, but I'm just going to use the word great, wh- whose greatness is most forgotten by the current MMA fan base? Uh, the natural Randy Couture without yeah. question, and That's it's largely one. because of his uh, the dissolution of his relationship with Dana, which has led UFC to not, you know, I mean, they're not big on video packages as it is. I was shocked they did Black History Month and they're showing Maurice Smith win the title. I mean, like, you know, I'm shocked, right? They're not big on pre-Zufa history to begin with. They don't, you know, they're not parading around, you know, UFC one champions here. But uh, I will tell you this, Luke, um, he was great. And what made him great was his ability to absorb huge losses, retool at an advanced age. I mean, I'd like to check if he was on the gear, Luke, to be honest with you. Yeah, I might want to check that. But beyond that, Luke, his ability in two divisions to just kind of gut shit out. Now, he had a game that was ahead of its time in certain categories, but I also think he had a timeless game, Luke. I think he's the answer to this question. What if I dropped Randy Couture prime? No, I have, right? I have one better, I think, or well, as good. Hold on. Before you get to there, what if I dropped prime Randy Couture into today's 205-pound division? So prime is probably him at like 37, right, to be fair? So I'm going to say the, the his best win was probably either the Tito win or the win over Chuck. Or you could say the second heavyweight campaign where he beat Tim Sylvia and Gabriel oh, Gonzaga. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Now, he's too small maybe. for the super heavyweight era, Luke, and we found that out against Brock Lesnar. I mean, he was old yeah. as shit, but we found that yes. out. What about a light heavyweight today? Is his Could his game with the dirty boxing and the wrestling mix and just the guts and the smarts and the IQ, 
I think he could be a player today. Yeah, Dude, I'm going to carry that flag for Randy. All those, okay, all those Rico Ciparelli raw team slash Team Quest guys who had the Greco background like Matt Lindland as well, they would all, in the modern MMA game, they would all do really, really well. I mean, obviously, there'd be parts of the game that were pretty pretty shitty, but they would be well-suited. One more name that people forget in answering the question, who do most current fans forget their greatest, uh, greatness? It's got to be Frank Shamrock. If you didn't live through Frank Shamrock, dude, he was the original, like, motherfucker of all motherfuckers. He was the first guy who was super well-rounded. And if you've never seen Frank Shamrock do the best version I've ever seen, at least in the early days, of rope dope in MMA when he fought Tito. Dude, Tito beat this guy, I mean, pillar to post, up until he didn't. And then Frank Shamrock turned the tables and fucking whooped him. One of the most thrilling comebacks you'll ever see. Frank Shamrock, also, great athlete, well-rounded, showman, big mouth, the whole nine yards. He would be a great addition as well. I think that's another guy who, uh, because he's not carrying the UFC's water anymore, gets... gets uh... It's forgotten, totally forgotten Luke. and it's yeah. a shame. It's a shame, dude. I mean, there's there's more. There's a few of them. Like, yeah, maybe they got their UFC Hall of Fame induction for whatever that's worth. But like, you don't hear people talking about how great they once were. All right, what do we got next? All right, All right. next up, we have a video for this one. So there was a video. Uh-oh. Stand by one second. Video posted earlier this week with Joaquin Buckley talking to Darren Till about fighting in July. So we're going to show you the video here. Get a fight, bro. You, it's been a minute, man. You know what I'm saying? He, he at 170 right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I can't worry about him. But you, though, I need you. You know what I'm saying? No, for real, don't say it, though. You be on camera. You, know record, you better be recording. Come on, fight in July. July? Let's yeah, fight in July. Yeah. Come on, let's go. London? Don't say that. You're going to be ready? I'm being ready. Okay, okay. Let's get money. Let's get money, bro. All right. Appreciate it. Who is that guy? <laughs> Get a fight, bro. You, it's been a minute, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, they did New Manza dirty right there. I mean, oh, come on. man. All right, what's the question? Corey? Anyone? Fry? Boy, boy. producer Bueller? Preguntas might not make it very far. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah. Um, considering Darren is one in four in his past five fights and requested to avoid a main event booking in his octagon return, does this fight make any sense? Um, it's not awful matchmaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's not awful. No, it's not awful matchmaking. No, it's not. Um, I don't know. I hadn't thought of Buckley as a next right fight for Till, but maybe. I mean, Till's got to go back to the drawing board, which he is, and you credit him for joining forces with Chimaev and their buddy cop movie, and they're, you know, that's going to have to make him better, Luke. But uh, if he's saying outright that he doesn't want to go back to the main event level yet and wants to rightfully sort of regroup, this is the right level of matchmaking. Buckley is dangerous, but still has yet to prove that he's above, you know, sort of limited average status, really has to put together a win streak against names to prove that. So Till is actually a great name for Joaquin Buckley to go out of his way to try to, you know, grab, thinking, okay, big name, but beatable. And I think on the flip side, yeah, beatable, but 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 fun name for Till too at the same time, Luke. Yeah, this could be. Yeah, you know what? I talked myself into it. Give me this shit, okay? And by the way, Till did know exactly who he was. You know that. Probably. All right, next. My audio. All right. This is a fun one. 
Brooklyn Nets player Kyrie Irving was fined 50K for flipping off and cursing at Boston Celtics fans. So let's say the bosses of MK decided to implement a fine system for MK. You guys will get fined for things like vaping, Delta 8 usage, inappropriate jokes, puking in Mexican restaurants, puking in sinks in the offices by chance. Uh, any other, anything else that fits the bill? Uh, which one of you guys would have racked up the most fines? Ooh. Ooh. BC, that's a legitimate tough one because you would definitely get a lot of fines for being like, hey, I'd like to fuck everyone on staff. Uh, but <laughs> what? Wow. Wow. I mean, look, I do like the way Gaspin's styling his hair, but I don't think oh I've ever God. said that publicly. You know what I mean? I mean come on. Uh, but, but the vaping, the cursing, the puking, although we'd be even on the you puking. You guys are even on the um, puking. Dude, for every, like, inappropriate joke or chance I've taken that is worth a certain amount of a fine, Luke's, like, blatant disregard for human decency and vaping on the air of an award-winning podcast. You know, I mean, it's not like this is, like, room service diaries and there's no rules and we got our balls out. This is, like, an actual See, show. And this just guy's now, like, Hold you on. just, like, you just talked about your balls being out. Like, that'd be a fine. Yeah. Yeah, BC, you can't go five <laughs> minutes without pointing to your testicles. It's like, uh, I'm here at the bank. I'd like to make a withdrawal and also check these out, lady behind the glass. And then Luke's just vaping. Like, these aren't, these aren't equal. These aren't equal trade-offs. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the answer to your question is when we do eventually get fired, it won't be one of us. It'll be both house. of us. That's probably the that's, that's probably fair. Yeah, that's yeah. probably All right. fair. All right. You guys just had a. Sh- How many more of these do we have as Two you more. guys mumble through them? Yeah, can we show a little life on your end here? All I right, mean, yeah, Long let's, Island let's, Luke, let's, let's zip this like along. Oh, you're asking me to zip it along with the 45 minute answers? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sheesh. Okay. Yeah. Hey, we're the hosts of the show, motherfucker. We get the right. Fives. This is you this is what you seconds. do. This let's isn't do what it. I do. You're putting me out of my element. You know, you gotta you gotta deal with what you get now. <laughs> um, Hey, you just make you just make sure I'm in focus, and then you ask you the questions. You are. Uh, I might pull you out of focus in a second. Here, let's see. Uh, all right. <laughs> you might have done you all right. You guys just shared a show with Micah Parsons and Stephen Jackson, two elite athletes from the NFL and the NBA out in okay. Dallas. So obviously, those sports required completely different skill sets, types of athleticism across the board. But if you could pick three athletes from any sport outside of combat sports. Who you think could hold their own in the octagon? Who would they be? Ooh, BC. I'll go. I'll give you one. How about Aaron Donald of the Los yeah. Angeles Rams? I mean, would it be a bad guess to name any NFL linebacker, defensive back, or like, or uh, you know, anything across the board? I mean, look, what who are as you would say the the apex predators of of competitive sports these days? Oh, it's the it's them NFLers, Luke. Okay. Yeah, it's them. But here's the thing: what about someone? I don't even know if he's in the league anymore. But when he was in the league, he was such a fucking menace, both for good reasons and bad. What about someone like Vontez Perfect? I don't know who that is. Oh, dude! Imagine, imagine an NFL player who just can't stop getting fined for illegal hits. So he's like uh, Albert Hainsworth, your guy. No, Albert Hainsworth took $100 million and then decided to lay on the field at FedEx and not do shit. Fuck him. 
I thought he stepped on someone's face mask one time, Luke. He did, but like when he came to when he came to this team, he was a fucking complete clown show. Um, he was good for a time. What would you say um, in the NBA? Who's like a tough guy in the NBA? Draymond Other tough Green. guys in the NBA. Uh, he's retired, but Ben Wallace. I would have loved to see Ben Wallace. Who? Ben, oh, Ben Wallace. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, ben I, Wallace I, I tend to tough. not want to put NBA guys in because they're so tall. And I feel like their height would not be a help in this game, Luke. Hmm. You know? Okay. All right. We need one more. Who's like a – is there like Jack. a decathlete or somebody out there who'd be like real? Is there like a CrossFitter who's kind of tough? Well, Darren Williams is a good athlete, Luke, and he could box a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, own, but that's kind of an own. uninspired oh, choice. Oh, uh, Steven that's Adams. That's very uninspired. Steven Adams. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Steven Adams from yeah. uh, New He's Zealand, right? From yeah. Zealand. Marcin Gortat with the Mohawk, too. I bet you he could uh, fight Luke. The Polish the hammer. Right he there. played for yeah. D.C. Joakim Noah, maybe? Yeah. Boy. Wow, that even, wo- that even woke Long Island Luke up. I like that. Yeah. All right. Big <laughs> And his video game pilot right. chair. That's great. By the way, I one time was on a flight with a WNBA team. Those ladies are... I mean, there's no weight class for them, but if if we took BC's open weight idea, they would dominate. They're fucking monster athletes. They're they're all they were all taller than me. All right, last one. All right, well, this segment last sucks. One. I mean, what are we doing here? Final question. You two just got done channeling your inner Casey Layden. Biden. Biden. Jesus. My bad. <laughs> You won a fight versus the athletes you just named. You were asked what's next, but wait, before you respond, I want you to listen to Do It Dixon's response after his win at AFS 6. What are you doing after winning your first MMA fight? And use this video as a reference. What is next for you? Some crab legs and a threesome. All right. (laughs) Yeah, we have a winner, Luke, okay? (laughs) How could we possibly top that? <laughs> um, I would guess if we actually went through a training camp like Casey Lydon did, and again, shout out to him. And I like the videos he's been doing with his uh, with his uh, jujitsu coach as well, breaking down technique from recent fights. But um, you get yourself into such sick regimented shape, right, to make weight and do it. You just you're gonna have to. Eat. It's gonna have to all be eat, eating related, Luke. Right? We're gonna. You would eat your face like Luke. In your fat days last year, remember that? Remember when you were real fat last year? We went mm-hmm. and you and I would be like, "Hey, let's get Taco Bell," and you're like, "You know what? Let's just order like fifty-four dollars of Taco Bell." You know what I mean? Like, I think that would, would be something in line of that. You know? Yeah, yeah. I might try and get an Uber Eats order of Taco Bell for like a hundred bucks. You just feed the entire world. Yeah. Um, I always did like Rousey's post-fight celebration. Remember, she would always get the hot wings no matter where she was. Yeah. With like with all the yeah. blue cheese and stuff. The threesome sounds nice. That sounds pretty good. Oh, you know but what? Then you got to sleep with. Then you got to sleep with uh, Big Hoppa, Luke. Afterwards, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's not my. That's not on the on the to do list. But what I would also say is, speaking of 420, I've seen this guy Big Lon from shouts to um, High Rollers BJJ Big Lon, one of the one of the uh, owners and operators. He has. Uh, he always like puts out videos like, oh, watch our new show. But before he does it. He hits the gravity bong, and I checked out the price of this thing. It's like $1,000. I've never had a $1,000 gravity bong. So I might try one of those if I, if I okay. beat Aaron Donald in a fight. If I, if I train for an MMA fight and I win it, I'm going right to Cumberland Farms, Luke. And I'm just saying, sorry, Doc, but I got you know, to celebrate this, okay? We'll probably get two foot longs, Luke. 
a bunch of them rollers, like the French toast stick with the sausage in the middle. Oh, God. Remember when I used to eat that, Wait, Luke, and then I almost the died? Be the better question for you is, if you beat Aaron Donald in a fistfight, BC, which female combat athlete are you subsequently DMing to tell them about it? Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Spitfire, come over here. <laughs> All right, Luke. Okay, enough of this. I mean, you know, we'll see if this segment lives another minute, let alone another day, Luke. Okay. All right. I think we're done. I think we're done. So this is time for fan subs, BC. Take it away. Yeah. All right. There we go. Thank you to our great producers there for uh, for that. Uh, we do have an email address, though. Morningcombat at gmail.com every Wednesday. It's your fan subs. Every Friday, it is your dead wrongs. But today on MK, it's you wearing tight T-shirts. It's called Fan Submissions. We've got mail. Yes. Male listeners, Fans. I tell you. All right. Okay, yeah, let's just put Long Island Luke on the screen for no good reason. There we go. There we go. This guy's great, right? <laughs> he seemed to love that segment. Yeah, he spoke a lot during it. Was, a ton, it was a ton nice. of life in that, in that uh, delivery. Yeah, all right. Uh, this one's from Big Poppy. He says, how's it going, Bappas? I was on the floor for Columbus and had to rep the Stray Cats of P.F. Chang's Much Love Donks. <laughs> well, dicey there. <laughs> Can we zoom in on this guy? So he's wearing that. So, Luke, you saw me wearing that sweatshirt on Monday's MK. I'm yep. not going to lie to you. I didn't take it off until this morning when I showered for this show. That's the best piece of merch we got. Shout out to Big Poppy right there wearing it. That's I mean, a, he I mean, is. I mean, if there is anybody on the run from the law after January 6th, it is this guy. Good Lord. Look, do you find it ironic, given their Eskimo nature as brethren, that Hoppa rhymes with Bapa? Is the Eskimo joke that they bang the same person? I mean, is it possible, Luke, that you are Eskimo brothers with anybody in MMA media? No. It's not possible. Uh, it's probably no, not likely. No, probably not. I mean, if, if anyone, it's Mike Bone, right? <laughs> at at uh, 30,000 feet, right? Mike Bone at 30,000 feet. You better not worry about a mask. You got a lot more problems yeah. than that. That guy, deep. we talk about deep water. That guy swims right through the undertow. That's fantastic. Let's go to Alex. Congratulations to Luke and Brian from all of us at Rustic Tribe Design. Yeah. We toast you with this custom liquor box for all of your recent award wins. We'll ship it out to the studio this week. Luke, if, if our people don't remember who Rustic Tribe Design is, remember they sent us that fantastic thing that we have to put on the new set that, that, hold, mm -hmm. that has a logo of us and holds yep. our liquor? Well, now we have yep. these insanely amazing liquor boxes. And look, they, these fine people have even offered to, like, design us a desk for our studio and stuff. Great, great folks, Luke. Great folks. I think, didn't they, did they not do the desk for the Teddy Atlas podcast? Yes, yes. Yes. <clears throat> With, uh, what's, what's his uh, co-host name, Ken? Yeah, I think that's right. Nice guy. Ken Super nice guy. Ken, uh, Ken Rideout, I think is his name there. Something I, I like might have mispronounced mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, great craftsmanship right there, Luke. I look forward to uh, breaking these out on set and uh, making them a big part of what we do. Yeah, Luke, this super is thankful like a, to Rustic Tribe Design. These guys are unbelievable, and they're super talented. Like, this is really, I mean, really nice. You know, Luke, between this and that your new avatar on Twitter, which is just fantastic artwork from Average Joe, um, yep. uh, the fact that we've built this weird artist community of people that love us, we love them. I mean, one of these days, Luke... I, I mean, what if, like, Portugal the Man's like, you know what, we love Morning Combat so much, we're going to write a song about them and put them on our new album. I mean, you never know what could happen, Luke. We got, you know what I'm saying? We got a community here. 
We certainly do of absolute weirdos and then strangely popular, but, but very popular, uh, musicians as well. So that's kind of cool. So, uh, thank you again to rustic tribe design. We look forward to adding that to our set of books that Luke didn't ask for and, um, some vinyl that I keep stealing and bringing home and listening to. All right. This is from Caesar mad respect to these 79 monthly brave souls. Oh, boy. <laughs> so he is referring to the great Pennington James, formerly known as Jay Aaron, who has 79 monthly subscribers. What what platform is that, Luke? Is that Spotify? I think that's Spotify. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, he did. Wow. And I think most, <clears throat> I bet 78 of them are him. He did. He did pen the song of the summer last year, Luke. S.O.T.S. Song of the summer. Do you see the music video with Jay on a yacht? Are you joking? I'm not joking. Corey, it, it wouldn't be possible for you to bring up Jay's music video right now, right? Probably not possible. Probably could, not possible. could you get it fairly quickly? Not like right not right the second, but like before the end of the segment. All right. Well, oh, okay. so much for that. <laughs> Great, thanks, okay. guys. All right, let's go over to Jamal. He says, I'll try and be normal. What's up, LT and BC? I'm on a terrible run of not getting picked by our MK crew for when I send in picks. So I'll be nice. Thanks for using all of the crazy smoking weed posts I tag y'all in. Have you seen this shit? Shoutouts to at Earth Smokes a lot too on IG. The pick is pretty self-explanatory, and also facts. Bill Cosby joke, silence, discomfort. YP one morning combat fan, fifteen years a fan of LT, and for BC, how about hashtag No Wrestling Talk? Pretty please. All right. I'd never seen this before, but that's pretty awesome. That's that's what do you think, do you, inter- do you interrupt enough or not? I I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you know, is it interrupting Luke or is it you know, strategic comedic placement? You know, what I mean, you gotta you gotta ask yourself that at the end of the day. Thank right. you, uh, Jamal, for that. Let's oh Jamal, whoa, hey, beast of a barber, I hear Luke, right? Yeah, apparently, but he just never shows up. So what do you yeah. <laughs> Asian as shit too. Let's go over to Paul. Hey there, MK team. After seeing all the wannabe comedians commenting about tech issues on today's announcement that there won't be an episode of Morning Combat, that must be last Wednesday. I thought I'd try to make a little wholesome meme to show some appreciation for all the work you guys do. Love the show. It's become a staple of my podcast routine. Congrats on all the well-deserved accolades. It's Paul. What does he have here, Luke? I understand the MK team's frustrations with recent issues, and I will patiently wait uh, for the next episode of this free show I enjoy. LOL, Luke Thomas and Tech Issues, Herder, award-winning show. See, here's the thing. I love the meme, but... I, I don't get can't, it. I mean, the, the issues are, you know, they're bad. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't say that this, this meme, meme is... While while generous in its uh, its offerings, I can't say that it's all that um, fair to the reality. All right, all right. Are you trying to take a shot at Manich again? No, 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 no. Manich does a great job. I'm just saying, you know, we've had we've had some difficulties. By the way, I've I've you know been the engine of that sometimes, so you know, plenty of blame to go around. Let's go over to Max. He says uh, this is BC during last Monday show. Is this from airplane? What is this from? It is the airplane. Uh, the the crazy guy unplugging, the. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. When you they, unplugged so, all that shit, then it was all fucked up. Yes. They're saying when you had Danny, uh, our fa- our fine friend, right? Oh from, yes. Uh, 
MMA junkie on Danny Segura that I was pulling the plug so that his audio wasn't heard. Through. For folks who don't understand, it's hard to explain our setup, but we have a system where you have to connect through Zoom on one level, and then you have to connect to this other uh, system on another level. And it, if you don't have the right uh, system and the right hardware, it can fry everything. And, and Danny didn't realize that, and so everything got fried. But um, hopefully for next time it won't be that way. All right. But also very Hey, Danny. Danger Mouse is back at it. He says, hi, Donks. Uh, I'm still celebrating my MK success. He's referencing that that MK Hub t-shirt. And he says, my final artistic effort features Luke and his daughter. I told him I was sending it in, but didn't show it to him. So I hope they both like it. That's very good. That's very good. <laughs> Tukey with the big wig is pretty funny. I'm going to show this to my wife, actually. That was pretty fucking good. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, Danger Mouse, was he was towing a dangerous line there, Luke, but he pulled it off, all right? He did. He certainly did. All right. Let's go over to Tanner. He says, looks like the ta targeted ads are working well on YouTube. MK viewers fit perfectly into this advertiser's key demographic target. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the dumbest show ever. I mean, you know, what, can we really complain? Can we really I complain? I mean, to catch it. To be fair, to catch an STD, you have to be doing the S part of that equation, Luke. And, you know, us married guys, we're really, uh, all right, yeah. Let's go over to Scott. Uh, here's a meme, he says. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, look at that. Luke that as Chamaya. awesome. Me as Darren Till. It kind of works, Luke. It really does. But by the way, I like how he picked a picture where both of us are mouth breathing. That's Yes. That's really the winning the winning note there super smash bros luke it's it's fun do you think they end up fighting each other in some kind of wwe spin no no i don't think so i think they i think they remain chummy okay we'll see what happens let's go over to andrew he says i got two photos for you luke must have lost the ear grips for his glasses my man was struggling on monday those glasses were running running away faster than women from BC and Naugatuck, Connecticut. A true statement. Anyway, made a couple memes. Hope you guys like it. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Much love from Northwest Georgia, even though Luke still hates us all down here. Yeah. Here's the What's second the, meme. Hold on. Before we go to this one real quickly, uh, push glasses up a thousand times. Do the show blind. <laughs> That's pretty good. The problem was I went to my optometrist, and he my glasses were fucked up. And what they told me was... BC, if you put the hooks on the back of your glasses to hold them onto your face, which my other ones had, that it actually messes up your glasses over time. It actually bends them out, so you don't want to do that. Yeah. But I'm like, right, but I also need to see. So what's the solution there? And they're like, we don't have one for you. I'm like, oh, right, okay, cool, thanks. You should get that. A lot of people sending in Steve Martin the jerk pictures of you, Luke. You should get that hook on the front of your uh, Oh, that, that like, sits there? at the, front, the base of the nose and holds them up? Yeah. Yeah, that's a deep reference there back to the early 80s, Luke. That was, you know, that's how it came up, Luke, in the early 80s. Bro, I understand that. I was the same place. Yeah, yeah. We got one more, and it's from Tom. Greetings from Dublin. I'm a day one donk here revealing Luke's stomach tap. Finally, we get the truth here, Luke. Let's see what it says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That is good. Oh, that is, first of all, I... Uh, is this Pantera? I can't. It doesn't. It looks kind of like Dimebag and Phil Anselmo, but I can't quite tell because the tattoos don't quite line up. Maybe I'm not. I can't remember anymore. But either way, that is fucking hilarious. Um, Look, wow. I want to be. Res 
respectful to you because I, 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 to be fair, have no idea what you have tattooed above your navel, and I don't know if it's sentimental and you don't want it known, but is there a it certain is. threshold? Is, yeah. Okay, so I was going to ask, is there a threshold we could get to of YouTube subscribers or merch sales or anything that would at least allow a reveal? Um, I'll say this. I'll say I probably would, would do it once I get to my ideal weight goal. Um, I, I don't mind at that point, but I would really like to tighten things up a little bit. So just give me some time. Okay. I'm working on it. You, so if time. you get on the gear is what you're saying, you get on that TRT shit and suddenly you got abs, you're ready to show that. Probably. Yeah, probably. Okay. Okay. It, it would take steroids at this point, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, it would. All right. Those are our fan subs. Morning combat at gmail.com. Don't send it to me in the DMs. You want to get on this show? Send it there for fan subs, for Friday Dead Wrongs, and of course, don't forget, every Sunday night, DMs from Donks, hit us up on Instagram and reply on our at Morning Combat account to get your question in the mix, maybe get on the air. Uh, Luke, I reached out to Bill and Jen in the RV. They're, they reached out to me. I'm trying to figure out. I, haven't, I don't know where they are, Luke. I haven't, I haven't seen many updates lately. I'm like, are you on the East Coast yet? Because Luke did say, you, 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 quote, you were quoted as saying, Luke, at the very least, you would put your head out the window in Jersey City and wave to them in the RV as they drove by. That was that was where you were at. I did say I would do that, but we have not heard from them since. I hope they are okay. It, perhaps something terrible has happened to them. I certainly hope not. But if they came to Jersey City, I would at least look at them. Remember that episode from The Simpsons where the all the people of Australia held candles together to say happy birthday to, to Mr. Burns and he refused to look at it? Yes, I do, Luke. Yes, yes, yes. I, you might be Smithers in that equation. It's like, sir, if you could just turn your head to the left. Bah! No time. Uh, there it is, Luke. That's our show for today. Well, what are your thoughts on it, Luke? You know? It was a fine. It was a good show, and I'm ready to close it. Okay, okay. All right. Shout out to uh, all our, we... fine, our fine listeners. Uh, thank you for liking this video, for subscribing to what we do here. Um, nobody does it better, Luke. You know, I'd like to say that's me bragging, but really, um, the awards, they speak for themselves. So, you know, I would say you definitely no one does it more. Three day, three shows a week. I don't think anyone does that. That's, yeah, that's I mean, what do you want me to do? Be not be arrogant about it? I'm telling you the truth. Right, right. That's fair. It's very fair. Uh, all right, I want to remind everyone: thumbs up on the video, hit subscribe on YouTube. Morningcombat at gmail.com for Friday's Dead Wrong, or if you need to reach the show, morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to be. Of course, two shows on Showtime this weekend: Friday, Saturday for Bellator. So you can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. See all the stuff BC's wearing? You can have it too. Morningcombat.store for all the places. Plus, we got some cool stuff in the works coming. So be on the lookout for that as well. What else do we have? What else do we have, well, BC? How about we, tell, we say this, Luke? A lot of people have been asking for a while, you know, is Room Service Diaries coming back? And we tease that it's going to be Ooh, rebooted. Yes. We got some big plans involving that, involving some of our other vehicles. Um, If you liked what we did with Gilbert Burns, we got... We got some more shit coming up uh, at the end of this month in May. It's good, you know. It, it, we're 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 coming. I mean, we are. Look, we have not stopped coming on. That's that's really the the update. Not since you told everyone we were going to do that at the World MMA Awards. Yeah, we are. They heard it. Just, they heard that shit. Our competitors heard that shit, right? Plenty of coming on for to happen in 2022. Yeah. All right. Exactly. So, uh, PFL tonight. Enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, PFL tonight. Enjoy the fights. We'll have uh, we'll have some more content out tomorrow for you, so be on the lookout for that. We're not going to tease it. Just going to say, or other than to say that. Uh, and then, of course, Friday we're back as well. All right. So for Brian Campbell, for Malka, for CBS Sports, and for Showtime, I'm Luke Thomas. This has been Morning Combat. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.